what are germs? Germs are tiny, tiny little creatures that want to kill you. The human body is made out of many yucky parts, and it's important to keep germs away from all of them. Germs are everywhere, on the inside of windows, on pencils, on apples, in the U.S. mail, between your piggies, and especially on dirty, filthy cowboys. Bicycles are another breeding ground for germs. Never ever touch a bicycle with your bare hands. Germs can enter the body in a number of ways. Whenever you get a railroad spike impaled through your head, germs have easy access to your brain. Even a tiny cut or scrape can be deadly. As soon as you're injured, immediately cover the open wound with crazy glue to keep the germs from getting in. How else can we fight this menace? One thing you can do is go to your doctor and have him look up your nose to see if there are any germs hiding there. When you take a shower, be sure to wash everywhere, especially the really stinky parts. And make sure you wash your hands 30 or 40 times a day, or else a giant talking bar of soap will appear in your bedroom one night, and no one will ever hear from you again. Always burn your clothes immediately after wearing them. Whenever possible, have your dinner prepared inside a hyperbaric chamber. Rinse your mouth with hydrochloric acid after every meal. And if all else fails, run. Run for your lives before the germs get you too. Sensible advice is what that is. Why, hello, it is three minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of April in the year of our Lord 2009. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the lushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Thank you for listening. It is Tuesday morning. My mic processing sounds fantastic in here anyway. How does mine sound? Wow. Whoa. Well, you're so- wow, everything's way too loud. Okay. Okay. Hello. I was told to move closer. Should Abby. I move back? Closer. All right. Maybe less close and more far. Right now. All right. That is that better? Bad. It's unmagical. Right. Thank you. Although I'm afraid for anybody the to The magic speak. is the music. All right. Everything fine? Everybody back to normal? Nobody thrown off? Okay. That's great. It is the uh, Rick Emerson Show. It's Tuesday, and welcome to Day 12. It's 503-733 if you would like to... The rest of the phone number. So excited was I to get to today's content. 503-733-2970 is our telephone number today. If you would like to be part of the show, 503-733-2970. If you would like to weigh in with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, ruminations, ponderings, musics, limericks, haiku, uh, whatever it is you have today. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Our good friend Greg Nibbler i got to stop right now, because otherwise I'm going to be saying his name that way every single time I say it. Isn't like, that his name? Yeah, but but I'm, but because of the Futurama thing, which I'm sure he's sick to the teeth of anyway, I fall into that thing of it latching onto the uh, uh, Nibbler of the Nibblonians. Yeah, but if you have the last name Nibbler, I'm sure you're used to it. Yes. That's a good point, Sarah. All right. Well, I'm going to embrace and just roll with it. It's like how I'm incapable of saying uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme normally, because I have to go Jean-Claude Van Damme. 
Spit it out as one big sort of mass of syllables. All right. Uh, in any event, Greg Nibbler is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane, or what Mr. Malvert used to call the just plain absurd. It's 503 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, you can also email if you like. It is rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at kufo.com. Tim at kufo.com. And I think... Uh, I think it's just Greg at KUFO.com. I could be wrong about that. Though. I could be way off. I don't really know. Well, whatever. I'm not going to bluff my way through it. We'll, we'll find out. Um, anyway, it is 503-733-2970. It's Nibbler at KUFO.com. Well, you bastard. Why do you get the cool thing where it's your last name? <laughs> All right, I'm going to speak to somebody about that. Uh, coming up in today's show, CNN Radio correspondent uh, James Roop will join us from Los Angeles, where shiftless bastard uh, Chris Brown has pled not guilty through wailing on his girlfriend, Rihanna. And we all know what we're all thinking right now. Here's my thing. I'm just, this is just me. I'm just going to make this observation right right out of the gate. Now, I'm not saying he's guilty. I don't pretend to know. Uh, a jury of his peers and or a judge will weigh in and the legal system will determine his guilt or lack thereof. I'm just saying for me, this is just my opinion, which is protected by the First Amendment to the Constitution of these United States of America. I think it would be really great if there was a long, agonizing, excruciating, drawn-out trial that ruined him professionally and personally and financially and destroyed any prospects of uh, a further employment. And I think it would be further great if uh, Rihanna testified against him in open court and then at the end he just completely broke down emotionally and confessed to everything and then was hit by a truck and killed as he was leaving the courthouse that day. Well, I think his reputation's already pretty damaged. Oh, no, because, you know, now he's got an edgy outlaw uh, vibe, uh, mm. Sarah, that the young people like. So it's so great that she still believes in him after he's uh, testifying to be not guilty. Yeah, well, he better believe in her. Or else! And don't look me in the eye. He'll go out and get some more tax, tats and piercings. Yes. As yes, the yes. kids do these days. That's, that's, what, uh, that's what musicians do. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us from New York City today. So I guess, this is creepy. Do you see the thing, the, the shooting guy, the alleged shooting guy? I can't even tell who's alleged to have done something who actually did something. We know he did it. The, the shooting guy that, uh, you know, the, the immigration center. Yes. So I guess he sent a letter, was it to the cops or to the press or no, something? No, to the TV station. To the TV station. But it was, and it was postmarked like a week before it happened. Yeah, it was like, dear TV station, I will be killing some folks next week. <laughs> FYI, you know, signed. And then he signed it. You have a good day. So uh, we'll talk to it. It was completely creepy, and it's written in this. And I, you know, he was uh, the English was not his first language. He was from uh, someplace. He was from elsewhere. Yeah. But he. But it was like all in this weird sort of stilted language. That wasn't just because he didn't know English all that well. It was because he was crazy. I, I'm surprised that the geeks haven't pointed out yet that Bing, Binghamton is the home of Rod Serling. Everybody's got a hometown. My name, mine is Binghamton. Binghamton, New Hampshire, New York. New where York. this happened? Is that, I thought Rod Serling is from New Hampshire. No, he's from New York. All right. Well, he has the same type of accent. But yeah, I guess I was New just York. okay. All right. So Binghamton, uh, New York, home of Rod Serling, also the crazy shooting guy. Let's see. Uh, your shot at Pennywise tickets today. The t tickets to the Jägermeister Music Tour, which is coming to the Roseland April 14th. That is uh, Pennywise and Pepper. Uh, we're going to be giving away tickets to that, as well as a Pennywise skate deck. All entrants must be 21 or over. All winners must be 21 or over, because you will also be entered into the grand prize for a Jägermeister tab machine, a Jägermeister custom guitar, a PV amplifier, and a JVC HD radio. So that's going to be coming up later on today. Don Taylor from Cinematical uh, will be joining us in the studio later on to talk about DVD 
releases. Katie Darrell from TMZ.com uh, will be joining us today. We will count down the five whitest songs ever recorded. That is coming up uh, later on in the program. Uh, the five whitest songs ever committed to vinyl. Let's see what else. Double penis watch today. Really, and it's it's quite something. You want to? There was actually four different penis stories. You should you should hear the ones that I I didn't choose. Uh, and we have a geek watch coming up today, which is pretty fantastic. So geek watch on the way, double penis watch, uh, all that, and uh, so forth. Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification on this Tuesday. A local children's book author faces child pornography charges. Four Salem teens go to court accused of plotting a Columbine-style activity. Thuggish-looking extras are needed for leverage, and that's a TV show filming in Portland. A Wenatchee burglar armed with a sledgehammer is shot to death. One of the stars of Texas Chainsaw Massacre is killed by an axe. A Canadian who stole a plane lands in Wisconsin with F-16s on his tail. GM and Segway unveil the ugliest two-wheeled vehicle you've ever seen. Well done. And auditions for circus clowns are being held in New York City. Okay. Well, it's going to be one of those days, I can already tell. That's fantastic. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? Hello. I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm fantastic. Our processing does sound really good. It does. We sound especially crisp and clear today. <laughs> I would say that uh, Tim's voice especially has a warm yet, uh, uh, I would say, uh, a w- I was going to say warm yet crisp, but I just said crisp. Mm. What's, a, what's another word that's like crisp? Crunchy. Tim, your voice has a warm yet crunchy timbre to it this morning. Sounds like you're describing potato chips. Yes, yes, yes his yes, voice sounds very crunchy. Yes. Okay, so you know what the best thing about working early in the morning is? I have no there idea. are many things. Many things, especially the fact that we're off in the middle of the afternoon when it's 77 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was that. I was going to say the fact that I went to bed at 8.30 last night because I'm lame. I think I went to bed at about, yeah, 9.30. Rule. But I went my to friend... bed at 9.17. Really? Really? Yes. <laughs> now, my friend lives in an apartment complex that has a pool. Uh-huh. So that's what I did yesterday afternoon. I read a Christopher Pike book and sat in the sun. Excellent. It was amazing. That's fantastic. Here, Here's what that's going to make up for. That's going to make up for the fact uh, that when it's mid-June, you're going to be going to bed when the sun is still blazing away outside yeah, exactly. and you can hear children uh, the uh, warmth of children the <laughs> cracking of baseball bats sitting outside but yes outside your window you're going to you're going to hear children running along the street and in, in if you're me you will picture them like in your mind's eye they'll be doing that thing where they're pushing like a barrel hoop or something down a hill with a stick and then you're like well I guess I'll just go to bed and have a life that sucks. No, that's exactly how it was when I was a kid. Anyway, my mom always made us go to bed at like 7. Oh, your and mom was the- a teacher, so she probably cracked down. Oh, yeah. No, so all the kids would be still playing in the cul-de-sac, and my sister and I would be like looking longingly out the windows. They're all allowed to play, and we're, we're in bed already. I was, But we did pass some sort of event horizon in the last day or two where it's now... Because I don't know about y'all, but it's like there's different layers of clothing you wear to bed for different times of the year. Like, I got a whole thing where I got to wear... Uh, up until... Up until like yesterday, where it hits about seventy degrees, I gotta wear socks when I go to bed. Oh, I can never sleep in socks. Now, see, I, and I never used to be that way, but I think as I've gotten older, I've developed old person's poor circulation, and so I'll just the thing. Oh, my toes are just so cold, and then I was find myself getting up in the middle of the night and rooting around. And there's nothing worse than getting up at like three thirty a.m. or whatever when you're trying to, you know, you like halfway through your night's sleep, and you're trying to find clothing to put on because you because it's you know it's chilly outside. And then half the time you wake up the next day and you realize you, like you've put on some clown pants or something that were just sitting there. So, so I've started keeping like a small supply of clothing by the side of the bed when it's cold outside. That way, you know, if I wake up in the middle of the night and I gotta, you know, I gotta put another layer or whatever. But last night, for the first time this year, we entered that weird place where I had too many clothes on, and so I had to start taking some of my clothing off because I was just because you start to get that middle of the night sweat, and that's no good. Uh, the night sweat where you're trying to sleep mm-hmm. is altogether unpleasant because then it's like a weird. 
then everything starts to chafe. You get that, uh, you know. I have had the night sweats for the past couple nights, actually. Yeah. No, I'll wake up and yeah, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'm just com- like, because I, I sleep with my fan on, but I sleep with a lot of blankets. Yes. And so I'll wake up and I'm yet yeah, completely sweaty. Wow, it's a good thing we're not all crazy. Uh, we're totally crazy. Uh, dependent upon any number of uh, sort of external devices to help us sleep. Because like, I gotta have. I've now reached the point where it's no longer enough to just have a fan, because I have a fan. I have a fan, but now I also have to have the supplemental white noise generator uh, from Brookstone, which sits, uh, sits right next to the bed, which replaced the one for the sharper image. If I have just the white noise or just the fan, can't sleep. Got to have both. Otherwise, I just sit there and stare at the ceiling, my mind racing away. If it's any consolation, I have to have the exact same thing. Excellent. Good for you. But you, no longer, you don't use the sleeping mask anymore. I do. Do you? I do. Well, especially now since I've had to get used to sleeping in the afternoon. Ah, uh, that's right. I gotta so, get. I don't know where mine went. I gotta find it though, because once summertime rolls around, I'm gonna need that thing. No, I have. Um, well, and I have two more layers than you do. So I have the fan, the white noise thing, the sleeping mask, and I also sleep with earplugs. I just close the shutters. <laughs> <laughs> Tim just sleeps like a normal, non-crazy person. All right, let's go around the room real quickly, Tim. What is, so what do you require to sleep? You just close the sh- the shutters? You don't need, like, yeah, a fan? Yeah, they're really heavy. They're really heavy, and they, they get rid of all noise and light. Oh, do you have, like, those European, like, the ones they have in Spain that just go, and yes. just block out the sun mm-hmm. altogether? Man, let me tell you, those are fantastic. Yes, they are. They those, cost a little more, but they're worth it. Yeah, the um, I used to have, I have a friend who spent a lot of her, a lot of her time in Spain, uh, and she would vacation there a lot, and she, you know, she's very, very much into Spanish culture, so... Over time, her house became more and more. She had a lot of Spanish-style furniture and design in her home. And she had those shutters that they have in Spain where I guess it's very much, you know, it's a whole lot of like, and now we will take siesta. But she had those shutters that it's like, because American, like Venetian blinds, which I guess are not American because they're Venetian. Whatever. The point is, you close them, and it's like the light still beams. They're just there to muffle the light a little bit. They don't get rid of the light. But, man, she had these blinds. You would just pull the little dowel, and it, bam, and it would suddenly be pitch black, which is fantastic. So that's why you have. I have to have the uh, I have to have the windows closed, and I have to have the white noise, and I have to have the fan. Um, Sarah, you must have fan, white noise, sleeping mask, and earplugs. Mm-hmm. Do you still sleep with the TV on, too? No. No, I got rid of the TV. All right. So now, yeah, so now no TV, just... Because that would just be silly. That would just be crazy. So now just earplugs, eye mask, white noise, fan. Right. Oh, hey, and just real quickly, I have to ask. Well, never mind. We don't have time to do it now. I was going to ask how your shrink appointment went. Oh, I, I canceled it. You, uh, this is yesterday? Yesterday. I was too tired. After, after yesterday's show, I was just like, I just want to go home and sleep. So I just, I couldn't remember what time it was. Uh, well, what do they I... care? I mean, you're paying for it anyway. Exactly. Yesterday. So I'm like, you know what? I'll pay the copay for it. That's yeah. fine. I don't know. I'd, I'd rather just go home, take a nap, and then go and sit next to the pool. You know, your shrink would probably prefer it that way. You exactly. Know? Gets She's... paid, doesn't actually have to talk to anybody. Exactly. And I think that she'd, she'd appreciate the fact that I was sitting outside relaxing. Indeed. No, that's, uh, that's mental health is what that is. <laughs> All right. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, just ahead, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Rupel joined us from Los Angeles. Ooh, and I found my Xbox Live gamer tag. Uh, I settled on my new gamer tag awesome. for Xbox Live, which means I can give it out on the air uh, so I can go home and have absolutely... Just take those last remaining little uh, the annoying bits of life, flush them away. That's uh, when the Rick Emerson Show continues right here. Rock 101, KUFO. View every top five ever. Go to KUFO.com and waste hours of your precious life. Go to sleep, crazy lady. This is the Rick Emerson Show. So I'm up far too early for a weekend, and I'm not exactly running on all cylinders. When I pull into an extra mile store, and I'm thinking, cylinders. My favorite potato chips come in a cylinder. Energy drinks come in a cylinder. Cylinders are my friend. 
Hit Extra Mile today. All 16-ounce single varieties of Rockstar Energy drinks are $1.99 until April 30th at participating stores. Need it now? And how? Extra Mile stores, exclusively at select Chevron locations. We've all got different kinds of relationships. Are you doing everything you can to make them the best they can be? Things don't have to be broken before you look for ways to make your relationships better. Sign up now for Lasting Relationships Workshops. Learn how to strengthen the relationships in your life by calling 503-215-6377 or at lastingrelationships.org. Low-cost classes starting soon near you. Funding for this project was provided by U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, ACF, grant number 90FE0079. Any opinions, findings, and conclusions are those of the author. Remember that plant you didn't water? It died, didn't it? The same can happen to your relationship when you don't give it the time and attention it deserves. Did you give your mate a kiss this morning? Do you remember to compliment them? It's easy to forget to feed your relationship. Learn helpful tools to make your relationship the best it can be at a low-cost, lasting relationships workshop. Call 503-215-6377 or at lastingrelationships.org. Funding for this project was provided by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, ACF grant number 90FE0079. Any opinions, findings, and conclusions are those of the author. The Rick Emerson Show. Now, open your mind to me. Available anytime, anywhere. Open Visit KUFO.com right now. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. And good morning to ye. It's 503-733-2970. Still to come, Tim Riley at the news desk. Later on, Steve Kastenbaum from CNN Radio. New York City will also be counting down the five whitest songs ever recorded, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, plus your chance at uh, Pennywise tickets. Uh, we'll talk about my, uh, my new Xbox Live uh, uh, gamer tag and so forth. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. From Los Angeles, ladies and gentlemen, will you please pay heed and give your undivided attention to this man whose opening theme will play any moment now, once the computer <laughs> decides to come out of sleep mode and create sounds which will travel through the air via frequency modulation, broadcasting on the frequency of 100.1. How much longer do I have to vamp over here? Almost. I think I'm running out of air. They're loading one by one. Explain and Rick's almost toward the bottom. Between frequency modulation and amplitude modulation. Hey, that's actually a good point. Here's the difference between AM and FM. Uh, there is amplitude modulation and there is frequency modulation. Frequency modulation has to do with sound waves and how close together they are, whereas amplitude modulation has to do with sound waves and how high and low the peaks and valleys of those respective uh, of those respective waves are. That's right. Johnny. That's right. It's Jim Roop. For those of us who had, <laughs> we just tried to play the sound again and it didn't work. Uh, that's fantastic. For those of us who had to take the test way back when. That's that's the, element 1, 2, and 9 failed element 9 several occasions. Yeah, I failed it once. I that's it once. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. It is, uh, for those uh, for those who don't know, uh, we uh, in the older demographic, uh, we used to have to, if you wanted to be on the radio, you actually had to pass a test. You had to know something. And you yeah. had to get a license. To be a DJ, which is which just seems uh, which just seems incomprehensible. Element nine was that broadcast endorsement. Mm -hmm. uh, it was stamped by Ben Wapple. <laughs> Sarah, did you have to take a test to become an on-air personality, or they gotten rid of that by the time you uh, went into radio? No, I had to take a test, um, you know, to learn how to uh, do the meters and like the all the readings and stuff. Did you get a little yeah. license, like an FCC license that you printed out? God, I can't remember because I, I think I did when I was a, when I joined the IBW. Uh, maybe because I have mine laminated and I carried it in my wallet uh, like some guys carry a rubber. Like because I th thinking I was going to impress chicks with it. Look at this, I'm a licensed broadcaster. It impressed nobody, by the way. Hey, do we have Jim's uh, opening theme? Hey, listen to that. Wow. Thank you, Bill Gates. Uh, from Los Angeles, Jim Jim Roop. Good morning, sir. 
all right. Well, you know, they've sca- just real quickly, a little uh, inside radio uh, talk. So they've scaled that test down over the years, and I think now they've subsequently they just got rid of it altogether. But yeah, I think all you have to do now is just uh, you have to send a letter to the FCC requesting a license, pay them six bucks or something like that, and then you get one. But do they? But you even have to do you even have to do that? Like if you're just going to be oh, some? I don't know anymore. Uh, uh, hold on a second. Let's. Um, uh, am I able to? Uh, hold on a second. Hey, Greg, can you hear me? I never taught Greg how to use the intercom. No. All right. Never mind. Don't worry about Obviously, it. Obviously, if he doesn't know, he did not have to take a test. <laughs> Sir, it occurs to me now that I never, I, I actually never discussed the intercom system with him and how it actually works. Um, there used to be one guy at the uh, L.A. office with the FCC, which is in the suburbs somewhere, and I woke him up. And you have to drive like 15 miles to get there, and there's one guy there. And they're not used to having any visitors at all at their field office. I'll, I'd actually be curious to know whether if you're going to be a DJ now, you have to take, uh, you have to get the FCC license because at one point they would give you like a big thing that was framed and it was, uh, yeah, you know, it, it was, was nice. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the one without the endorsement was blue. And then the one, with, no, no, I'm sorry. The third Green, endorsement was blue. I, I, I got a first class ticket though. Mine was oh. yellow. And I think by the time I was taking it, it was just the the, the one card? that was yeah, it was just a little yellow card yeah. that you would carry with oh, you. Oh, the cereal box card. Yes. Yeah. And so I think they've got. I think they've even the, sort of dispensed with that at this juncture. But who's to say? But wow. they, we used to have to display them in the studios where we worked. You know, you had to hang the, your license up. Did you ever get told? You know, the, you know the uh, the FCC could come by at any moment and demand to see everybody's broadcast Absolutely. license. We they, were always told that. And I just tell, here's a real quick story about about the FCC because they always tell you, well, the FCC it is just a drop of a hat. They could come to the door and they could demand to go through your public file or whatever it is the radio stations are supposed to have. You know, any business has this where it's like if you're, you know, like if you work for the Otis Elevator Company or something, you never know when the elevator inspecting guy is going to come by and demand to see like. You know, if demand to see if there is in fact that uh, that door in the ceiling, so that John McClane can uh, you know climb out of the elevator and get into the Nakatomi building should the terrorists attack. <laughs> and but the radio version of that is that the FCC might come by and ask to see like your transmitting equipment or the logs that you use to sort of keep track of the, the power the station's operating at. I worked at this radio station. I've talked about this place a lot. It was, it was I shouldn't even give the call letters out now, even it's years after the fact. But there was all of this transmitting and broadcasting equipment in what was a trailer in the middle of a dried out field of weeds. I mean, it was just like it was the definition of a fire trap. And all of this stuff. And it was in uh, a place called Prosser where it got to be about 110 degrees. Sarah knows where Prosser is. Oh, I have friends from Prosser from college. And where it would get to be like 110 degrees. And again, you're just in this tinderbox of a trailer in the middle of a bunch of dried out twigs and leaves. And just at any second, you were waiting for the whole thing just to be a, a conflagration. And the entire uh, the entire sort of utility closet where all of the broadcasting and you know, power equipment was, it would just threw off heat. I mean, it must have been 170 degrees in there. There was two box fans from a Kmart that they had purchased, and that they just pointed at the equipment, and that was the cooling system. Oh, yeah. And they actually told me, they said, look... Uh, at some point, the FCC may come by just to inspect uh, our setup here and to see how we're taking care of all the broadcasting equipment. And they told me, they said, if that happens, here's what you do. Because it was in a trailer, so there was a regular door and then the screen door. And they said, if the FCC ever comes by, what you should do is open the regular door, uh, ask to see their identification. If they show you their identification and they are from the FCC, 
you should explain that you have to go get the key to let them in. And then they said, go out the back door, get in your car and drive away and take everything with you that might identify you. That, because they just knew that there was like, not only were we going to get fined, it's like we would all we would all just have been put in San Quentin for the rest of our lives if they'd seen how that place was being run. Oh, those are good times, but not really. Hey, speaking of good times, but not Did really. Can I so, tell you about the radio station I worked for that a guy killed himself? He jumped out of a window in the hotel. The, the radio station was in the basement of a hotel. And he jumped out of the hotel and landed on my car. Uh, you did tell us was that. that K- uh, K-I-E-V. K-I-E-V, yeah. yeah. Glendale. Did, what did I can't you, remember is if the... Uh, place, Tim? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what I can't remember is where they whether they reimbursed you for your car or not. No, the insurance company did, so. Wait a minute, so this was... If That's I, where George Putnam used to work. Yes, he did. Yeah. If I recall correctly... You, where were you standing when the guy jumped off the roof of the building? I was, I was in the, uh, I was in the, in, in the control room, if you will, which was the room just before the parking lot. Uh, you came in the door, and, and to your right was the control room, and uh, we heard nothing. There was no scream or anything, which tells me it was suicide. I mean, if someone throws you out the window, you're screaming all right. the way down. We just heard a big crash. And I go outside, and I say, what happened to my car? The, the hood was dented in. The windshield was busted. I went around to open up the driver's side, and there was a body laying on the floor. Going, I went, oh, wow. <laughs> no, I'm going to need a uh, Simonizing. Well, to say, I broke that story. <laughs> <laughs> that is a Jim Roop exclusive, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. And uh, I called, so I called the police. Then I called the, one of the owners of the station, one of the beaten boys, and I said, Ron, I said, uh, you're not going to believe this. And he, I told him the story. He says, did you call the police yet? I said, yes. He goes, damn it, hold on. And he, <laughs> he, he flew down there with a camera. Oh, he yeah. take pictures before the cops got there. Now, when I was uh, years ago, when I was working in, uh, in Utah, uh, I think, but I used to work with my, uh, my friend Todd and I uh, were working there. We did different shifts. He did the morning show and I did, I did afternoon drive. And we were kind of, you know, edgy ruffians or whatever. Because it was, you know, we were working in Salt Lake. And so we were just, you know, we just tried to irritate as many people as possible, which isn't like the hardest thing to do when you're broadcasting in Utah. And... But you know, but it was you know the time when when talk radio was very sort of combative, you know, and everything was just very confrontational, and it was right the, the, during Bill Clinton's uh, first term, so everything was just you know you remember how talk radio was, and everything was just very sort of angry, and you know a lot of very uh, sort of uh, you know very divisive and polarizing kind of talk topics, but. But because of that, you would occasionally get these listeners who would call up and they would just threaten to come on down to the station and beat your ass or worse. Uh, and so he and I made this pact. We're like, look, I don't care how badly I appear to be bleeding. I don't care how serious the injury, however wounded I may be. You have to call the media first and then the ambulance. And then we like, we shook on it because that was just, it was understood. You had to get full. You had to get the press there before the cops were able to come and patch you up and take you away. So that's just a, that's just a given. Uh, Good stuff. Now, now any segue I make from being patched up and hauled away into this Chris Brown thing would be awkward. But he showed up yesterday and he pled, he pled not guilty, which I guess they'd sort of leaked out. But I thought maybe at the end they would sort of surprise us and he would go, "Wait a minute, that's insane." Yes, well, I totally did it, but well, not. Yeah, no, no. See, I, 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 this tells me that a uh, a deal is being, a settlement's being worked out. If he pled guilty, he would be sentenced to the the felony charges that he's facing. I, uh, and, and both sides, well, Garrigus not so much, but Etra, who is uh, Rihanna's attorney, uh, Donald Etra, said she's interested in settling, that she doesn't want to go to court. So he pled not guilty, and it'll probably be they'll settle this out of court, uh, and we'll never, ever see him again. Because so, they, they said a date to set a date for a preliminary hearing 
three weeks from now. So in the next three weeks, uh, things should happen. So how is that that, I mean, I thought that if it was some sort of battery or uh, or like a domestic assault or something, that she could, it didn't matter if she pressed charges, or that she couldn't settle it, that the state would pursue it regardless, that it became a state versus Chris Brown matter. Well, I think that's going to be, that's going to be determined by the DA once they go to him with this settlement. Because a lot of it, and even the attorney yesterday said, a lot of this has, has to do with uh, what the DA decides he wants to do. So they'll probably take a settlement deal to the DA. Uh, he'll settle. Uh, Chris Brown will plead uh, guilty to some sort of lesser charge and wind up with probation or whatever. But um, we're not going to know until April 29th, which is the next time uh, a court date is supposed to be happening. And I doubt we'll see Chris Brown at the next court date. Did they live together? I don't know that. Because if they live... Now they don't. I mean, she's in Barbados with her family. So I, I wonder, Sarah, do you know if, if Chris Brown and Rihanna live together? I don't know. I know she was recently house hunting, but I don't know if they were living together. Because if they live together even even part of the time, if they'd established any sort of domestic relationship or any sort of cohabitation, then it seems to me, and this is just my own opinion, I'm not this is just weighing in, I'm speaking only for myself here. If they had any sort of cohabitation, then it doesn't matter, then it, to me it shouldn't matter whether she drops the charges or not. Uh, because then what happens is, you know, because then that just said that every time uh, some jackass starts beating up on his on his wife or girlfriend or whoever, anybody in the house starts beating up on anybody else, because what always happens if you if, you know if you realize uh, you know that you have to go back home and live with that guy, especially if you're somebody who's not Rihanna, if you're somebody who doesn't have the money to go elsewhere, uh, you know, then you know all that guy has to do is glare at you a couple of times, and you decide that you're gonna you know you're gonna settle it or not pursue the charges or whatever. So anyway, that's that's just my opinion. But but you think it's probably going to be settled out and the court to be sealed yeah. and whatever. I, I think uh, neither one of them want to, especially he doesn't want a trial. He'll definitely be found guilty of the felony charges. Um, and you know the weird thing too is they're, they're talking, and um, I think they've even seen each other a few times. The attorney said, "Look, my job is to is to uh, advise her or tell her about what's happening court wise. I can't dictate what she does with her personal life." So that tells me, yeah, he knows she's seeing him or whatever, that there is contact. He's not happy about it. but And that kind of screws up their case, too, if you think about it. Um, so he's just going, I just tell her what, what, I'll tell her what happened today and what she does with her own Because on the one hand, he made this weird statement after the fact, but basically copping to the fact that he did it. Uh, and then... Well, he, he apologized for what happened. He didn't give any details, but yeah, that's sort of an admission. And then on the other hand, though, you've got, if they are spending any sort of social or romantic time or whatever, then I don't even know if that would be admissible, or probably not, but it certainly, uh, I would say it certainly taints the case a little bit because it's hard to paint him as being completely guilty of this as she's now voluntarily uh, in his presence again. Yeah. So, well, all right, well, what are you going to do? Uh, on that note, my friend, uh, I will, uh, are you on tomorrow? I am. All right, then we will undoubtedly speak then. You have a fantastic day, sir. Thank you very much. Watch for falling bodies. Always. Always. There you go. Jim Roop in Los Angeles. I just love the idea of Roop in the studio and just sort of a, did you hear something? Uh, probably not. And then they go back to playing, uh, you know, like a, like like Jerry Rafferty records or something. It's 503-733-2970. It is the Rick Emerson Show. Straight ahead, we have Tim Riley with the news. Later on, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com and the five whitest songs ever recorded. Here's the Riverdales. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Now broadcasting everywhere. One time, I did actually confess that I um, made out with my teddy bear. The Rick Emerson Show returns on Rock 101 KUFO. 
Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It is Tuesday morning, and good morning to you. It's 503-733-2970 if you would like to join us today. Don't forget, before the end of the program, give away a pair of tickets to Pennywise and Pepper as part of the Jägermeister Music Tour coming to the Roseland. Also, uh, every winner that uh, gets entered into a drawing for a grand prize of a Jägermeister tap machine, custom Jägermeister guitar, uh, PV amplifier, JVC HD radio, and more. It's 503-733-2970. At the news desk, it's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. The author of children's books, who also volunteered to help out the kids at the library, faces federal child pornography charges. His name is Kevin Patrick Bath. He went by the name K.P. Bath. He distributed and possessed hundreds of images of graphic child pornography. And until last year, he worked as a volunteer at the Multnomah County Children's Library. He also wrote children's books. Four teenagers accused of planning a Columbine-style attack at Cascade Junior High in Salem faced juvenile court judges yesterday. Their group of 13- and 14-year-olds who go to school in one class period. The judge has decided to leave them in juvenile custody until they can be uh, safely sent home. Local casting company is looking for thugs. They need men ages 25 to 35 to play thugs in the TNT show filming here in Portland. Leverage It begins shooting next month. So leverage is that show. It's like a, um, it's like a like a Robin Hood style thing. Is that the deal? Mm-hmm. But it's like a modern I day think like that's a Timothy Hutton show. Is that? Uh, I don't know. Does Timothy Hutton? Do, do people hire Timothy Hutton these yes. days? Yes, I saw him. I saw him during the twenty at a movie theater. And really, they, they were promoing some show on TNT. Were they doing it in that breathless? You're listening to the twenty, and now a new show with Timothy Hutton. The don't call it, I love anymore. the twenty. Do they not call it the twenty anymore? What are they? Well, because people it? started to hate it. Yeah. Because and also here's the it other. Because makes it seem longer. Well, I was going to say that's the other reason they don't call it the twenty anymore. They don't call it the twenty because a you would just sit there and you go, oh, God, I have another fifteen minutes of this. Oh Jesus, nine minutes. Christ, I got another six minutes. Uh, also, because they didn't want people to know. This is just my opinion. They don't call it the twenty anymore because they didn't want people to know exactly how long uh, they had. To, you know, like they didn't want people to be able to judge when it started and when it ended. Uh, they like you to just, I think they want you to always feel like you're about to miss the movie. Speaking of which, can I raise a question about uh, films, Tim, and uh, movie theaters and cinemas and bijous and so forth? Please do. Here's the thing. Do, do you ever have this where you remember something happening, but then about six months or a year later, it seems like the effect of whatever that thing was has gone away and nobody else remembers the thing happening? Here's two examples of that. One, and I bring this one up actually several times. Do you remember right after 9-11 happened, there was that story that came out about how they found one of the hijackers' passport, like, sitting in an, in an alleyway somewhere in New York? Mm-hmm. And it was miraculously intact. I, and key, I'm not, like, some conspiracy whack job or whatever. I'm just, but there was a story on MSNBC or something. There was, like, some guy in Brooklyn was walking his dog and found uh, mysteriously undamaged the passport belonging to like, to, like, Muhammad Atta or one of the guys. But then that story just completely vanished, and you never heard it again. This is just like that. Do you remember a story a while back where somebody was filing a class action lawsuit against theaters, forcing the movie to start at the actual time that they yes, advertised it? I remember that. Okay. And it was local. But that, but see, but that, that, ha- that started happening for a while. There was like about an eight month period where you go there, movie starts at 705. Guess what? The movie started at freaking 705. Now, back to starting the other way where you go there at 705, the movie starts at like 25 after. Mm-hmm. So my question is, why do they, why did they stop doing that? Is that a thing where if you just look away for even a moment, they start to slide? So. They have to be watched. They really do. 
So, but it does seem like there was actually some sort of a, it was either a lawsuit or somebody had threatened a lawsuit saying it was false advertising. That if you claim the movie's at 10, the movie's got to be at 10. So I would be curious to know if that's actually, I mean, maybe I'm the first to admit that I might just be projecting. Maybe they are actually doing it, and I always just suspect the worst of, of everybody. Here's Tim Riley. Up to Washington we go with all this crime news that never stops. Now a man with a sledgehammer tried to break into a house. He was shot by the owner, shot to death. Excellent. The 25-year-old homeowner uh, shot him with an SKS rifle. The episode is believed to be drug-related. Fantastic. Who could, who could disagree? Do we have the homeowner's name? We'd like to salute him. Uh, the homeowner's name is uh, Bates. Mr. Bates. Scott Bates. <laughs> Mr. Oh, Mr. Bates. Mr. Bates. <laughs> Mr. You know, if he was younger, uh, never mind. Here's Tim Riley. So then we have the mother of the uh, five children killed in the uh, family's trailer park denying that she was having an affair with a man in the parking lot of the Muckleshoot Smoke Shop. That seems like that should be the least of your concerns, you know, after your five children were killed. No, no, no. Sarah, well, she wants to speak uh... up. I was not having an affair in the parking lot of the Muckleshoot Smoke Shop. I wasn't having an affair. I had a friend who showed me that it was not okay to be treated the way that I was being treated. She So she must, she must have got the black baseball cap from him. It, it, it's it, well, yeah. never mind. I will hold you know what it's too soon. I'll hold my comments for another day. I So is she implying there because it seems to be the case and maybe I'm wrong. Is she implying there that the uh what's his name, the dad, the, the husband or whatever mm-hmm. that he was uh, perhaps abusive? Is that the implication yes, of what she was just and, saying there? And controlling. So did she say that or is that she just ha- the implication? She has said that. Okay. So so you so where she left the house and she went to where? It's not a convenience store. It's the Muckleshoot Smoke Shop in Auburn. And I'm sorry, that's just a silly name. I know that the story is important. It's, 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 it's a, a big smoke shop. I mean, there's I, I don't mean to diminish the gravity of, of what took place here, but that's just a weird name for a place. So she went to meet up with a guy at the Muckleshoot Smoke Shop, mm-hmm. uh, which is where all the sophisticates uh, near Tacoma hang out. And she went to meet with a friend who taught her that. What did she just say there? What was the quote? Uh, taught her how to treat a woman, something like that. This is, uh, the friend was teaching her that it was not something, or do we have the, whatever her soundbite just was? Uh, let me see, I have to go back here. All right. Because I took it from another piece of video from So Como. this is the, uh... ...reported that she had said she was leaving him and would not be coming home. But Angela Harrison says that's not true. I wasn't having an affair. I had a friend who showed me that it was not okay to be treated the way that I was being treated. Now, is that the she friend did. she was meeting up with at the Muckleshoot Smoke yes. Shop? Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you, you're married, allegedly, uh, to an abusive, controlling guy, and it's not good for you to be around him, but it's fine to leave your kids there. Mm-hmm. Just go off, leave, because what could possibly happen? Yes. All right. Well done. Parents of the year, all of them. All right, here's Tim Riley at the uh, news desk. Oh, by the way, yes. I just I, ha- I saw a photo of that woman uh, yeah, she has d- today. I can imagine any number of men would be fighting for the chance to spend time with she her. She looks She's like a- Michael Moore. <laughs> See how I try to go the subtle, what sarcastic route, and then you go right to the you go right for the body Isn't blow. Isn't that what you're thinking? Yes. Well, let's cut to the chase. Yes, she looks is. like Michael Moore, but like if he were made out of some sort of rubbery material oh. and then inflated. All right, let's do one more, and then we will uh, get caught up here, kids. But he could not live without her. Meanwhile, the uh, suspected uh, pilot of a plane stolen from Canada and flown into the U.S. trailed by fighter jets captured last night in a rural stretch in Missouri where he landed. It was intercepted by fighter jets over Wisconsin. The pilot acknowledged seeing the F-16s but did not obey their nonverbal commands to follow them. Eventually, he landed his plane in uh, southeastern Missouri. 
His name is Adam Dylan Leon, taken into custody. Apparently, he's some sort of immigrant to Canada. All right, uh, and so forth. Coming up straight ahead, we have uh, Steve Kastenbaum from New York City, ladies and gentlemen. Later on, we have Katie Darrell from TMZ.com, Don Taylor from Cinematical, and we'll be counting down the five whitest songs ever recorded. It's the Rick Emerson Show, Rock 101 KUFO. I don't know. I feel like I should have brought a copy of it in or something. Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Uh, that is Weezer from the uh, the Red, which is actually, by the way, that is now the third album that they've put out that just has uh, like Weezer as the name and no, no, because it's there's the first one is the Blue Album. And then the Green Album, which came out in 99 or some such. That's the one that has a hash pipe on it or 2000. I've lost track of when anything comes out. And then that is the Red One, which is like Peter Gabriel, who put out three solo records in a row, I think, that were just called Peter Gabriel. And the record company kept getting increasingly angry at him about it, which is why the fourth record is just called So, because he wanted like the shortest name he could possibly come up with. There you go. A little bit smarter than you were 10 seconds ago. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up inside this hour, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. Talking about that altogether creepy thing about the guy who who allegedly shot up that whole immigration center. I guess he wrote uh, a letter a week ago or something. Thought when he was going to do it. Uh, Later on, Don Taylor from Cinematical. And we'll count down the five whitest songs ever uh, put on wax, which was an altogether challenging and difficult task because there's a lot of them. Here's something that didn't make the cut, by the way. Here's a song uh, that we had a couple rules about the um, because I'm already getting suggestions about it and people sort of speculating as to what might be on the list. Five whitest songs ever uh, performed. There was a no country rule and there was a no metal rule as well as a no novelty recording rule. Okay, because uh, I was just they, they, say, they, they, like Garth Brooks or something. It's on like, my way to work can't. today, I just heard "Pretty Fly" for a white guy. No, see, and that's that counts as a novelty song. Mm-hmm. So there was no not because, and the, the other reason you oh, and there was a no ABBA rule. So no metal, no country, no ABBA, no novelty. Because if you open it up to Sweden, then you're just uh, you know that's going to be it's going to be nothing but them and that tingling a ling band, and really nobody wants to hear that in the mornings. What was I talking about? Oh, I was talking about that song uh, "Your Love" by the Outfield during the break here. I was talking to Paddock about this yesterday, and I still couldn't figure out what it was about. You know the song "Your Love" by the Outfield. Tim? Yes, I do. I'm Power quite pop familiar with it. Hit yes. from 1986. Yes, I like that song. So okay, but what? But my question is, who is he speaking to, and is she related to the Josie girl in the song? Because the song starts with that line: "Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over." So many things that I want to say. You know, I like my girls a little bit older. So is the is the woman in the song related to Josie in some way? Why would she be related to her? Because. Well, I guess maybe there's no reason. But it, it sounds like he already knows the woman, though, because he says, I don't want to lose your love tonight. I just want to use your love tonight. She could be the maid. <laughs> That's Lawrence, true, because she could here. be saying, hey, the lady's out of town. But it sounds like somebody doesn't. Does it not sound in the song as though it's somebody he already has a romantic relationship with? Because he says, when he says, I don't want to lose your love tonight. That implies that it's somebody that he already loves. In other words, he already oh, has. He's like, I just want to use your love tonight. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Hold on. Where the, it seems like I had a copy of it around here somewhere. Where the hell did I put my... Uh... No, it sounds like he just wants to get laid because his girlfriend's out of town. Well, no, I'm not disputing that. Well, that clearly... I mean, that's the basis of like 85% of popular music. But it sounds like it's somebody... In other words, it's not just some girl from down the street, right? It's a girl with whom he has a previous relationship of some kind. It does, yeah. Cause it says, uh, trying to stop my hands from shaking something my mind's not making sense. It's been a while since we were, we were all alone. I See? can't hide the way I'm feeling. See, so is it somebody that he already knew? Is it somebody that he dated in the past, uh, which would maybe explain why she's a little bit older than Josie, who is on a vacation far away? And Could there's be. also, here's the other thing. Right after the whole solo... Regardless, he sounds like a skis bag. They do the, they do the little breakdown part, uh, and he says that thing about... Um, 
Uh, as you leave me, please won't you close the door and don't forget what I told you. Just because you're right, don't that don't mean I'm wrong. Uh, another shoulder to cry upon. It's all very perplexing. You're confusing everyone. It's too early for some <laughs> discussion. I don't like to think. And then a long silence descended over the room. Well, it's fine to think, but there's abs- unless we get the guy from the outfield who wrote it, we'll never know. Well, see, that's the frustrating thing about it, because you want to get him in a room and just sort of beat him with a hose until he tells you what the hell it's... It's like the, the, the stupid... You know, the one that I always go back to is that, the, you know, where Steve Miller says some people call, you know, uh, I'm the pomp- I speak of the pompadus of love. There is no pompadus. Pompadus isn't a word. That's a made up word. And so I'm not asking anybody to call up and tell me what pompadus means because you don't know. Nobody knows but Steve Miller. And I don't think he ever talks about it. And it's like a thing that he created just to screw with me. So I yes, that whole Rick, thing of, um, it's all for you. No, look, I can, I'll give you some other ones. A frequently cited example by me. This is the reason that I have to interview Steven Tyler at some point because I need to know in walk this way when he talks about the next door neighbor with the daughter had a favor i gave her just a little kiss like this is it the next door neighbor who had the favor or the daughter or both see you don't know no nobody one knows ever thinks about these things yeah That's i don't even know what true. phrase you're talking about people just sing along and ignore it <laughs> spoken like a true radio person i don't know it's just a bunch of pops and buzzes does it test well where's the hook tim riley's work time for a cigarette it's behind my ear here somewhere. Do we have a budget for auditorium testing this quarter? Um, Tim Ryan is working on the following stories for your edification. Then I have serious stories to talk about here. The uh, mother of the five kids killed by her husband denies she was having an affair. She was just talking to a gentleman friend in the parking lot of a smoke shop who knew how to treat a woman. Wow. Okay. I think he gave her a new baseball cap. A drunken horseplay gets out of hand. A Lake Oswego man gets 10 years for the drowning of one of his neighbors in a hot tub. Part of the Cuckoo's Nest Hospital in Salem is torn down. Really? Yeah. Now they, but, the, but we figured out that's not, that's the one from the movie. That's not the one that Kesey worked at. Because I think the one that Kesey worked I at is actually. I'm going to have to look that up. I think the one that Kesey worked at is in California. Because I'm a big fan of, of the book, not so much of the movie. And I think that's the one that they used, though, for the, for the Nicholson film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Salmon Creek Burgerville will begin serving beer and wine. Pioneer Courthouse Square celebrates its 25th birthday, a quarter century of panhandling. Anderson Cooper's okay with his mother's pornographic autobiography. Excellent. Oh, speaking of Anderson Cooper, I was watching that last night. They had that kid who uh, stole the plane and then landed it. Boy, they're going to fix his little red wagon. I I mean, I say he's a kid because I think it was, they said that he was like 19 or 20, but that might have just been a preliminary report. Do we know that that was the case? I'll have to check that just to make sure. Because I think it was just a little Cessna. I don't know if you... Yeah, it was just a little airplane. I mean, but this is the wrong time to go joyriding in anything with wings. Uh, you do that, they're going to fix you, but good. You think uh, people would know that? I mean, well, I, you know, he, isn't he from Canada, though, or something? Canada. Yeah, I mean, you know, so they don't they don't think like the rest of the world. But, uh, so I, maybe he thought it was just sort of a harmless little sort So of what's little the deal stunt. with the kid? He, he stole a plane? He stole a plane, but it was just like a little, you know, like a Cessna. Which mm-hmm. I'm not saying you should st- steal things if something doesn't belong to you, especially an airplane. You know, you ought an not get it yeah. just to fly off. But he, grab, he grabs this Cessna. It just, you know, I think for a lark. He's 31, according to this article. Oh, so not 17. No. Well, that's less acceptable, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Not that you ought to be stealing things, but young people do what young people do. But so he grabs this Cessna and just flies off. And then, of course, flies into the United States. And the United States uh, is rather sensitive about unknown aircraft just sort of circling around cities at this point in our history. So I think the White House was alerted about it and the, the uh, Secretary of Defense knew. And at one point they said that he was being flanked by F-16s, which has yeah. got to be a uniquely unnerving experience. Yeah. If you look out the window and there's some guy with uh, like Hellfire missiles that are primed and aimed at you. This is a Cessna 172 Skyhawk. And I guess he just... It is the most 
flown airplane in the world. And I think he just flew until he ran out of gas or he was about to run out of gas. And then uh, and then he put down in like Missouri or Missoula or Mississippi or one of those Miz places. Missouri. And Did he give any explanation as to why? Oh, I don't think there was any time for that. I think I don't he was. Think he's speaking to anyone yet. No, I think he, he was. He's being beaten in the back room. <laughs> I was right going to say he was put in. He was put in Mr. Creedy's black bag. That's where that guy was put. Yeah, that guy has been. Uh, that guy's been placed in whatever room we have uh, created to uh, take the place of Guantanamo Bay, and he is having electrodes placed on his testicles at the moment. That's uh, that guy is saying a lot of ha right now. So. Just FYI, if you're looking for a hobby, maybe stealing a plane uh, shouldn't be that hobby. Just, uh, you know, just if you are trying to figure out how to fill the slack hours. Speaking of filling the slack hours, I teased this uh, at the beginning of the show, so i got to get to it today. So I've been laboring under this whole uh, task of trying to figure out my new Xbox Live uh, gamer tag because I wanted to have one that I could uh, that I could give out on the air. So occasionally if I want to go online and just sort of, you know, I'm playing Left 4 Dead or I got the that I guess Dead Rising 2 is coming out to follow up to the shopping mall uh zombie game. Anyway, so I got the the gamer tag that I use if I just kind of want to be incognito, which is not because like, I want to be a jerk about it. It's just because I want to be able to go on and not get gaming invitations because I think probably decorum would force me to accept all of them and then I would just never sleep again. So I have this gamer tag I don't give out on the air. And, and I never quite know how to respond when people will email me or I'll get MySpace messages from a guy going, you play uh, Left 4 Dead? I play Left 4 Dead. We should play Left 4 Dead. What's your gamer tag? Let's play together. And then I have to respond back. Oh, dear guy, please don't take this the wrong way. No, uh, you know, and I just feel like an ass. Um, so I wanted to get a supplemental gamer tag, but then I had this whole thing about what, what do you call it? Because people read a lot into that, and that's a thing that you all don't know. And by you all, I mean Tim and Sarah. Uh, this is a problem you don't have to face. I don't play games. You know, Tim. People judge you by the words you use. The words you use can convey your background, your IQ, even your intelligence. Tim, I've heard that. And so, the first thing I tried to get was Lars Larson, which is inexplicably taken. I mean, because I just wanted to, because of my whole, just so you know, my, my plan was for my gamer tag to be Lars Larson and then to create, like you, you get, you make like an avatar, which is a sort of like a, a little picture, like a, it's like a cartoon representation of you that goes next to your name. And I was going to make it just the most uh, effeminate looking woman I could possibly find in a pink skirt. And then I was going to change, of course you no, and I was, and I was going to, and I was going to change my quote to be something like, uh, I like cute boys or whatever, because then people could say quite honestly, well, I was uh, online last night and I saw that Lars Larson wears a uh, dress and likes cute boys, which is true, <laughs> by the way. Uh, Lars Larson, the gamer, I believe. Except that Lars Larson, the gamer, isn't me because somebody on Xbox Live is already Lars Larson, which it is fantastic. I hope Don't you want to be his friend? I How really do. How do you know do. he doesn't want to be you? Oh, he does, Tim. Let's, uh, let's have no illusions about that. Yeah. The first step is to have an ass that's not made of plastic. Anywho... And to not have, like, little piggy Augustus gloop eyes that look like ball bearings shoved into a loaf of uh, unbaked dough. Anyway, so I couldn't get Lars Larson as my as my Xbox uh, gamer tag. And so that everybody's suggesting things, you know, it's like pasty bacon guy and, you know, and the uh, doughy spongy radio ass and just a whole bunch of things that are, pre that are just sort of lengthy and, I don't know, maybe don't have the sort of panache uh, that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. So then my wife... This is the way that everything ends in my house, where I'm just sort of agonizing about something and just circling around the problem over and over, and then I'm just, you know, wearing sackcloth and ashes about it and just getting all cranked up. And every guy, you know, who works in in, in radio or any sort of creative, uh, uh, you know, field or anybody who works in entertainment, there's always somebody stable in their life that sort of provides just the, the simple, basic answer that you really needed all along. So my wife is busy; uh, she's doing something in the kitchen, and she actually just says. How about Rick Emerson? 
And I was like, oh, that's crazy that... Oh. Well, it's probably not even available. I... Oh, it is. <laughs> oh. Okay. Select. So there you go. So my... my... I guess you're chopping onions and... <laughs> And hearing that and passing and really? just spinning That's an amazing message. story, right? And I think, <laughs> it really is. but I mean, imagine my wife, she's just sitting there in the kitchen hearing me in the in the living room just, just lamenting about this about for it. like an hour and a half, just going through every name I can possibly, you know, uh, you know, uh, boob guy 55, or just trying to, just every combination of words I can possibly come up with, and then trying to merge like boob and bacon and zombie all together, and then that's not working either. And so she finally just and she's just chopping onions or whatever, just, Rick Emerson is probably available. Just do that and let's end this. And I went in so sure enough. Uh, so if you are on Xbox Live, um, it it actually is just just that simple and unimaginative. How, uh, how will Emerson. they remember that? What do you mean? Such you're screwing with me name. right there, aren't you? <laughs> you're, you're, I'm being made the object of fun. All right. It made you think for a minute, though, didn't yes, it? Yes, it did, because I'm not that <laughs> and bright, And then you confused Jim. me because I was confused. I'm like, wait, that made sense. Why isn't he getting it? I don't understand. Let's never talk about this again. <laughs> So, uh, so that ended up being resolved in a much less interesting fashion than I thought it would be. Rick Emerson is my uh, gamer tech. Straight ahead, Steve Kastenbaum from New York City, ladies and gentlemen. Later on, Don Taylor from Cinematical. Count down the five whitest songs ever recorded and your shot at tickets to see Pennywise and Pepper as part of the Jägermeister Music Tour. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Putting the cult in pop culture. My eyes, the goggles do nothing. The Rick Emerson Show returns on Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-733-2970. Still to come. Tickets to see Pennywise and Pepper. It's part of the Jägermeister Music Tour coming to the Roseland, ladies and gentlemen. That's coming up later on the day. Also, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com and the five whitest songs ever recorded. Recorded, recorded from New York City. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. CNN Radio correspondent and stylish man of the world, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello to you, sir. You must have seen the shirt I'm wearing today or something. Is know. it uh, teal? It's a, it's, it's a, one of, it's a darker shirt, striped, uh, from a, a trendy store in New York, button-down. But uh, the type of shirt, you know, guys wear with the un, uh, untucked, you know, the tails out uh, when you go out at night with a pair of jeans and some good shoes, you know? You, you know the look? I, I think I speak for everybody when I say no. I uh, the uh, I guess I mean so you're wearing a shirt that's untucked, really. Pretty, pretty that's much, the upshot you know, of today's uh, style overview. Yeah, it's dark and it's stripy. Yeah, Sarah, would you like to weigh in on this? I, perhaps I, I I'm don't not know. All getting I was the... dark and untucked and fancy. I, here's the thing: I, I don't know how I don't know how you all dress in, in New York City. Uh, <laughs> But I've, In New York City, Rick? Uh, maybe you all got access to different kind of clothing than we common people. You know me, Steve. even now wear them their overalls every day? Really? I mean, you should see me. About 89% of the uh, the days of the year, I'm wearing jeans and either a black T-shirt or a button-up shirt that is, in fact, untucked. That's kind of my leitmotif uh, here in this world. So I... Uh, Although I did, I have to say that a while back, I forget exactly when it was, I was watching CNN and they showed Ed, uh, Ed Henry, who was in uh, Hawaii, oh. and he was... He was broadcasting from Hawaii, and at one point, Anderson Cooper, who I'm not saying Anderson Cooper's a bad guy. I'm really not. I, I, he seems like a good person, but he does like to snark every now and again, as the young people say. Uh-huh. And he just like here's the thing about Anderson Cooper, and I'm not asking you to weigh in on this, of course. That would be awkward. I'm just saying, in my own personal assessment, Anderson Cooper just likes to screw with people every now and again to keep them uh, on their toes. With Wolf Blitzer, especially, man, he, for a while it was like. 
There was a period of time during, uh, I would say maybe in the month leading up to the election, it's like Wolf Blitzer was the new meat in Cell Block 5, and Anderson Cooper just poked that guy with a stick every single night on television. It was like you you got the sense he was trying to see if Wolf would just come over the table and start punching him or something. But Ed Henry was broadcasting from Hawaii, and at one point Anderson Cooper had the camera guy do the pullback, and Ed Henry has... The great, like the CNN, you know, button-up shirt or the golf shirt or whatever it is, like his sort of anchor garb from the waist up. But from the right. waist down, he's just there in like clam digger shorts and I think actually no shoes at all. That was a plum assignment he had, but I guess it was, uh, you know, the trade-off for being on the election, uh, you know, the campaign trail for a year or whatever it was. I guess you know that was the pay the payoff, you know, following Obama to Hawaii. Yeah, that was a that was a plum assignment. Anderson did that also a couple of nights ago. With Gary Tuckman, who was in Fargo for mm-hmm. the floods, for the Red River flood, and Gary Tuckman was uh, once again wearing his waders, and um, he was in the water up to his waist doing a live report. <laughs> and I was watching it at home, and I was cracking up. Did you catch this? Uh, no. Anderson Cooper said, uh, "Gary Tuckman, uh, keeping uh, with the t- uh, time-honored tradition of of." cable news correspondence of standing in floodwaters, and then he pulled out some old tape of uh, uh, John Stewart making fun of Gary Tuckman being in water up to his nipples. That's <laughs> fantastic. The, yeah. I will say this also, that I have actually slacked the last few nights on watching Anderson Cooper, although Tim Riley, a uh, news director here, is always, you know, he, he sort of catches that, and is, he's kind of the Anderson Cooper filter for me recently. Uh-huh. But Richard Quest, who is just one of our favorite people on Earth, I was so glad to see him make a return to, uh, to CNN. That's a guy, he, he does seem a shade mellower than perhaps uh, before he was arrested for, for having a bag full of cocaine or something. But, man, it, that guy is still... Like he is permanently in the red, his energy meter, especially when contrasted with the average uh, person who does television news. So I'm glad to see him making a return to the uh, to the screens of CNN. And Anderson Cooper is okay with his mother's new smut novel that's coming out. Yes, yeah, so it was a Gloria Vanderbilt has written. Is it now? Is it a semi? Is it like an autobiographical? It's obsession, the racy tale of a frigid woman. <laughs> but it's not about her. She doesn't strike me as being frigid. Well, apparently somebody made her unfrigid way back when. Well, at least once. Yes. Uh, if not twice. Does she have two kids? Well, she did. Oh. oh, I'm sorry. Was that awkward just now? Yes. Oh, uh, well, let's move on. Let's let's forget I mentioned that. Well, we'll get to more awkwardness. This is just weird. This uh, The guy in uh, this the, the, the shooting guy, uh, the guy that shot up this at this immigration center. So what is the deal? He sent a letter, what, a week ago or 10 days ago or something, and it just arrived yesterday, which is, uh, you know, a couple days after the shooting. What is the, what is the timeline here? Pretty weird. Uh, he, he wrote this letter and dated it March 18th. But he mailed it on April 3rd, the day of the shooting, on Friday. And Jivali Wong wrote it out in pretty neat handwriting, but it's uh, broken English. And he sent a letter to a local television newsroom uh, in which he starts off by saying, quote, I'm Jivali Wong doing the shooting or, or shooting the people, something like that. And uh, he it kind of rambles. Police in Binghamton are going to hold a news conference later this morning, but uh, last night they were saying it shows signs of mental illness. Uh, he sent them this letter along with his driver's license, his gun permit, and a couple of photos of him holding, uh, posing with his two handguns. And throughout the ramblings of the letter, he talks about uh, having to move California because uh, undercover police were harassing them, were harassing him, that they uh, actually uh, spread rumors about him, that they tortured him and that he had to leave, and that uh, he, he blames what, what was going to happen on, on these undercover cops. 
and he said he needs to cut his poor life. Uh, and he ended the letter by saying uh, he, you know, that the undercover cop should be responsible for whatever happened, and and ended it by saying, "You have a nice day." Yeah, that, I, just the segments that I saw last night, he seems full on screaming crazy. I mean, yeah, well, the, the 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 police department in Binghamton, they're saying, you know, the, if the family knew that he was unstable, which apparently they did in, in their interview with the detectives. Uh, it wasn't a complete shock that he had gone and done something so extreme. Uh, the police are saying, well, why didn't they seek help for him? Why didn't they do something? But uh, I don't know, perhaps they didn't know how to, being an immigrant family. So, uh, but uh, it's it's a pretty, uh, a chilling letter, it really is. It is, and it, you know, it's interesting because I don't even remember the guy's name, and maybe that's for the best, but... You remember the, the the guy that shot up Virginia Tech a couple years ago, and yeah. then it turned out that he made like a bunch of the, the home movies or whatever, and sent them to MSNBC or, or whatever. Mm. You know, it's funny how we've just kind of forgotten all about that guy too. To what do you ascribe the fact that, for example, the Virginia Tech guy films himself, and I think actually films himself with a bunch of guns, saying like, "Hey, and now I'm going to go shoot some folks," and then he sends it off to the news. And it seems like that was a big story for about like a day and a half. And then we kind of just didn't talk about it anymore, which is weird. And so now you've got this guy who wrote a letter uh, to to whoever he wrote a letter. What was the letter to, to – it was a local to a local TV newsroom. Right. Um, before the fact, he goes off, shoots up a place. We're talking about it today, but you know what? We probably won't be talking about it in a day or two. Whereas just a few years ago – I don't think you can just blame it on the expansion of the media. There's some there's some weird change happening, I think, in the zeitgeist. The fact that what seems like it would have been a massive story and that we would have just been we would have poured over it uh, for just years and years and years. And that seems to be a thing that registers as a blip and then it's just kind of gone. Yeah. And it's really interesting because this morning uh, in, in Texas, there is a, a bill that uh, would allow for people who are licensed gun owners, uh, students, basically, to carry those guns on college campuses, and the arguments being made that somebody with a gun, a concealed weapon, might be able to take down uh, a shooter like this, uh, somebody who's obviously mentally unstable. And uh, we had that person on as uh, along with someone who's uh, who was from Virginia Tech, and his girlfriend died in the shooting in Virginia Tech, and they were sort of having a debate about that, whether it made sense or not. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is, you know, if somebody is of the... Uh, well, if, if they're not all there, you know, and they're intent on doing something like this, the, the availability of, of weapons, if they can't get handguns, which is what they want to make it more difficult to get, they can get hunting rifles. You know, it's going right. to happen. You're not going to be able to stop all of these people from doing these things. No, and, you know, when you, 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 I mean, you raise a good point about the, you know, why didn't the family, uh, you know, mention this to somebody or ask somebody, or maybe the resources weren't there. They felt uh, they didn't know how to navigate the system because they were immigrants. But by the same token, you, it's like you can't just be calling the cops on everybody you know that you think is going to go nuts because, I mean... I mean, really, everybody, every single person uh, hearing my voice right now, everybody knows some guy that you think is probably just one or two bad events away from just deciding oh, yeah. that, uh, well, that's it. Time to uh, time to do some cleaning, you know? Yeah. Immediately, one person came to mind as soon as you said that, and I read his Facebook entries, and, and every once in a while, he worries me. Yeah, do you just wait for the entry to say, like, uh, you know, Ted has decided to go begin the purification. See you on the news, you know, or whatever. I mean, is it every, uh, tell you what, we'll do a little experiment right now. Everybody now, think of the person you know, the first person who comes to mind, who you suspect might just go a little mental one day and just uh, decide to take out the trash. I'll give you uh, five seconds here. Okay.
All right, there you go. And everybody came. There was no one listening who didn't immediately come up with at least, and I'm guessing probably two people. I will say this, by the way. This is completely true. I was walking through the halls of CBS Radio Portland. This is today is Tuesday. This would have been last week. Would have been Thursday. And I watched by somebody who I will not identify. And do you ever catch just like a little snatch of conversation, just a piece of it, and you're not quite sure what the context was? I watched by somebody here at CBS Radio the other day, um, and they actually said, as they were passing by me, and they weren't with somebody else, but I get the feeling they, they were kind of concluding a conversation they'd been having as they were coming around the corner. But I walked by them just in time to hear this person who worked, and I'll, I'll I actually go so far as to say they work upstairs. They don't work down here. They actually said... I'm going to come back to this place with a shotgun. Ooh. And, you know, but that was, and I walked by and I stopped walking for a moment and I thought, why did, and then I just said, you know what? Screw no, no, it. no, you keep walking. No, and I just <laughs> Maybe he's a gun aficionado and is proud of his gun and wants to show it off. Uh, maybe he's going to be discussing his gun with a, uh, I don't know, with uh, maybe another co uh, coworker. And they're going to have a good natured discussion about American industry and Smith and Wesson. Could be an old flintlock rifle and they're discussing history. Perhaps they're going to be uh, taking part in a Civil War uh, reenactment. I guess that wouldn't be shotguns. Uh, anyway, but I just went to the kitchen and I got myself, uh, you know, I got myself a snack and then I got in the car and went home. <laughs> I figured, you know what? What are you going to do? So, all right. The flintlock rifle. I like the reference. That's what Tim Riley does, sir. He brings what you're not expecting. Yeah. On that note, have a, a good day. We will talk to you soon. Okay, see ya. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Right. And then I watched the news closely all day and nothing came of it, so I figured, what the heck? I hmm. think nothing of it, really. No. Things have a habit of taking care of themselves. <laughs> That's why a lot of the crazies upstairs don't have key cards down, down here. Some of those problems just resolve on their own, don't they, Tim? They sure do. 503 the names are different. 503-733-2970. Just ahead, Tim Riley will be at the news desk, and he will make you smarter with every passing moment. Later on, Don Taylor from Cinematical, uh, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com, and your chance to win tickets to see Pennywise and Pepper. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. All right, so. First of all, when I was a kid, I found this song strangely compelling because Josie seemed like a weird sort of exotic name. Like Josie and the Pussycats. Exactly. Well, it seems sort of mannish. And I guess less so now that I'm an adult, but I... All the girls in Kennewick are named Tiffany or Jennifer. So, like, the idea that there was a woman named Josie, it sounded like an older woman who maybe was a little more experienced in the ways of So maybe that's Lamour. why you're obsessed with this, because I don't think older woman at all. Well, but he actually referred well, like to her as being older. older. Yeah. First of all, can we acknowledge what a great song this is? Oh, yeah, it's amazing. See, and it sounds like he's kind of an ass because he doesn't have any other friends. See, and so nobody can know that he's with Josie. Or not with Josie, with whoever it is. Uh, yeah, with the older woman, whoever she is. Okay, so see, my theory here is that Josie is the girlfriend. Josie is out of town. This is either a close friend with whom he has never had relations or an ex with whom he has not had relations in quite some time. I would and think he's an the ex. only one who truly understands him. Even Josie doesn't understand him. Here we hit the post there. It's called yes. skill. That's right. We'll have to, we're coming up in the middle eight. I'll address the other half of this So later. not only were you thinking about who Josie might be, you were practicing hitting the post at the same time. Exactly, Tim. In the my mirror. of your own home. Holding a celery stick. Here's that was before video games. Tim Riley at the news desk. 
I don't really know. Do we have only Courtney Love's uh, word to go on here? Did and get... her lawyer, Frances Bean. I think that's, that's her, her daughter. daughter. That's her daughter. I'm that's sorry. Her daughter. The lawyer is Rhonda J. Holmes. Well, I I really don't know. Because if this, if this accounting is being done by Courtney Love herself, you don't really seem like she can carry the one that, probably that, all that well. That's what I'm wondering about. Yeah. And, and if we're asking honestly, I mean, really, is this... I'm sure, it's. by the way, it's a total coincidence that this comes out the same week uh, that it's the 15th anniversary of her husband's uh, death day. I mean... Because I guess some ways, I, there's probably just no other way to get away from the sound of that nagging voice, would be my estimation. Mm. But just got to remove your ears altogether, friend. So far be it for me to suggest that Courtney is just continuing to ride that corpse like an Amtrak straight into attention. I mean, bill. is she sitting there with a calculator and a, and a spreadsheet trying no. to figure this out? She's sitting there with a timer and she's counting how long it's been since she's been on television or she's been able to cry about Kurt Cobain. And so... A straw stuck up her nose. It does... <laughs> From a soda, Tim. Yes. Uh, she has a big gulp. She has very bad aim. Yeah, she does. It's from Tab, which is what she uses to keep that girlish figure of hers. Boy, you want to talk about a woman that is just... It's not even that she's turning back into a pumpkin. It's like she's turning back into a pumpkin that you bought at a Woolworths made out of plastic that has been left on top of a radiator and it's melting. And lips dragging on the floor. Exactly. Mm. Wait. Yes, lips. Uh, and also, the fact that she is... I guess she's responsible for Kurt Cobain's estate, which will at some point pass to Frances Bean, who is his daughter, yeah. who's I mean, she's a very pretty girl, but it's unnerving to look at her because she looks so much like her dad. Uh, and I know she gets tired of being you know, told that, but I mean, it's true. You look at her and and I try I mean, you know, you try not to pay too much attention to that daughter because it, she's got such a, a tough road ahead of her anyway. I mean, I know she's got money and whatever, but you want to have your own identity. And the fact that your dad is Kurt Cobain. Also, he killed himself. Also, your mom is nutcase Courtney Love. So I, that girl's got like seven different kinds of therapy ahead of her unless things just turn out, unless she's extraordinarily lucky. Because otherwise you're just Julian Lennon and nobody wants to be Julian. Not even Julian Lennon wants to be Julian Lennon. Uh, I remember I was watching. Um, He'll be talking about prostate exams before you know it, just like Ron Reagan. <laughs> is, it, is it here that every we Every morning when I come in, every five minutes, it's Ron Reagan back out of the air talking about his prostate. Is that on this station or is that yes, it on... Is. It's uh, on John and Jeff continuously. Okay, so, but that's actually it's on our sister station on 970. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. Mm -hmm. So just... our sister... No, no, we don't talk about prostates here. Our, uh, 
Only in the fun way, Tim. Only yeah. in the rocking way. <laughs> uh, so our sister station, 970.am, so this is the show, the John and Jeff show. Yeah. And they have these network commercials, which are commercials that aren't for a particular station or city. They run across the entire country, on, usually on satellite programming or whatever. Uh, but they have this prostate commercial. And what is it? It's for like, I don't know if you're having issues with your junk. And, but it's Ron Reagan who, uh, Ron Reagan, who is a guy you never, ever, ever hear from. He's like the forgotten Reagan kid, largely because he's a... Uh, I think a, he hosts uh, dog shows on the Dog Show channel or something. Well, that's about it. Ron Reagan seems a little... Um, wasn't, he, wasn't he a dancer at some point? He was, yes, but he was told to quit. Was he, he told... A man. What kind of dancer? <laughs> Not an exotic dancer. The... It was a ballet dancer. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. He and then he married some hot chick who you never heard about anymore. I don't think he ever had heard of her before either. I think that he was introduced to her as this is the woman you you're going marry to marry. This woman. <laughs> Take off those dancing shoes and put on some uh, put on some regular jeans and a flannel shirt, Ron. Stand up straight. Be more masculine. Do prostate ads. But even in the prostate ads, he sounds unbelievably uh, dancy. Anywho. What was my well, point? Well, it's not in the middle of the night. Who cares? Uh, so, uh, but Julian Lennon is, you know, he's the same thing. He's sort of the first. And Julian Lennon has got it especially bad because John Lennon was just such a dick and just made all of these comments about him in print. Mm-hmm. There's a notorious interview that John Lennon did where he was in, um, he was in Playboy magazine. And John Lennon actually said, such a bastard. Don't get me wrong. I love John Lennon. His music and many things about him as a person seem to have been. Later in life, he seemed to have found uh, a way to be a decent an human being. Piece. Well, not even that. I don't care if he has an inner peace or not. That's between, it's not that I don't care, but that's that's his own, you know, that's between him and himself, I guess. But Lying in bed with long hair, hotels. Unkempt, stinking, mm. uh, wrapping himself around an equally filthy hippie. Um, but later, woman. later on, he seemed to have become a more grounded person in the way he treated others, you know, people around him. Um, but he went through a phase where he was just a bastard to everybody. And there's this Playboy interview that John Lennon gave where he's talking, and this is after Sean Lennon was born, himself no great talent. And John is talking about Yoko and Sean Lennon. And I suppose this is what passes for being, I mean, I guess it wasn't passing, it was honest. But, you know, here's the thing. I think as you get older... You learn that just because a thought is in your head or just because it's something that's true that you really feel, even on this show, there's things we don't talk about. Even mm-hmm. on this show, there's thoughts where we stop and we say, you know, that's best left unsaid. Not very often, but sometimes. Not very often, but sometimes. John Lennon, uh, John Lennon never even learned to do it sometimes until he was, you know, the, the very near the end of his life. Um, but he's being interviewed by Playboy magazine and he's talking about fatherhood and, you know, cause he had John real, real, or, uh, he had Julian real young with Cynthia Lennon, uh, who is a whole separate story in and of herself. And he's talking and he says, well, you know, the difference between uh, Julian and Sean is that Sean was a wanted child. Hmm. And then as if that wasn't enough, like if that wasn't a jerk move on its own, he actually says, whereas opposed to Julian, who like a lot of children, Julian was born out of a whiskey bottle. That's a that's a thing you like to have, and not just you know not just said, but actually in print, so you can read it over and over again late at night. Okay, you know, that's clutching a handgun. Particularly awful. Yeah, and then every time Julie and Lennon would try to do anything, it was of course blah you blah, blah blah blah. A whiskey bottle with eyes. <laughs> you picture John going, "Can we go to the chemist then tonight for a no? Well, um, what about a diaphragm? No." Well, we're drunk and horny. Let's do it anyway. We can always toss it in a ditch. And then they wrapped in a diaper. (laughs) And then they just, and then they didn't. I watched that Chuck Berry uh, concert film documentary, Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll, again a few months ago. Mm. And of course, you know, the first thing that happens is an all star thing that happened in 86 or whatever, where it's like Chuck Berry's 60th birthday. 
And it's, uh, you know, it's all of these people performing and Robert Cray and Keith Richards and Eric Clapton. And then Julian Lennon is there and he walks out on stage to sing uh, Johnny Be Good. And of course, you know why he's there. He knows why he's there. Everybody understands. It's like when you interviewed Jimmy Walker. He's there to say dynamite. We all know this is the case. But no one likes to, you know, you don't just like to, to you know, to, to be reminded. You don't like to, to be real obvious about it. And he walks out on stage. And of course, the first thing Chuck Berry says is, don't he look like his pa? You know, and you're mm-hmm. just, and you're just in Julie Lennon's side going, oh, okay, just get through this, Lennon. There's a bottle of vodka back at the hotel and the razor. All right, let's make it to this next three and a half minutes. We can go drink. All right, love. All right, fantastic. Straight ahead, more news with Tim Riley. Don Taylor will be here from Cinematical. Katie Darrell from TMZ. And the top five whitest recordings of all time. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. This email says, your show is really educational. For example, my eight-year-old daughter thought the Ramones lyrics are... I should almost do this backward because it's funnier. The song is I Want to Be Sedated. Her eight-year-old daughter thought the lyrics were, I, I want a piece of meat. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, Jenny, I hate to imply anything uh, about your daughter, but um, I'm just saying. You might want to have her uh, tested for something. I was happy to clear that up by telling her so I want to be sedated, then explaining what sedated means, best show ever. Well, I'm glad we could help. That's uh, Jenny. Speaking of blah, 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 I want a piece of meat. Eh, there's no way to do this. Uh, Secret Aardvark Abanero Hot Sauce, one of our uh, brand new partners on the Rick Emerson Show. And you really ought to try it. And I'm not just, lest you think that it's just a thing I'm saying or there's just the words on a page that I am just mouthing to you without really uh, feeling it. You have to try this stuff. And if you try it, you will be convinced. That's it. I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding and the tasting and the using and the enjoying. It is, it's quite wonderful. You can find out more about it uh, before we go any further at secretardvark.com. Just like it sounds, all one word, aardvark with uh, two A's. I guess three, but two in a row. You know what I'm saying? Secretardvark.com. You can get it at all new seasons markets and Portland area Whole Foods. If you don't see it, at your uh, favorite restaurant or your store, you can ask them about it. But uh, the website has uh, you know, all the locations. You can find out exactly where it is and go, where they have it. You buy it, you try it. You will love it because it is hot, but it's also flavorful. And it's not like um, like novelty sauce. It's so hot that it can't be used. And it's also not watery. And it's also not something that has such a strong sort of vinegar or sharp taste to it that you really can't use it on more than a few things. It is... I don't want to say an all-purpose sauce because that makes it sound bland, which it's not. It's got a real punch to it, but you can use it on almost anything. It's got a Caribbean Southwest flavor to it. It's hot. It's flavorful. And, of course, the recipe is from right here in Portland. It is a Portland company. Find out more about it. SecretArdvark.com. Secret Aardvark Abanero Hot Sauce. One sauce to rule them all. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Don't exchange blood with a hooker. Oh, that touches me. This is Rock 101 KUFO. I don't pay that. No, never mind. Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday morning. It's 503-733-2970. Still to come today, uh, your chance of tickets to the Jägermeister Music Tour featuring Pennywise. We've also got Katie Darrell from TMZ.com who will be joining us and we'll be counting down the five whitest things ever recorded. The five whitest songs ever committed to vinyl. And they were all committed to vinyl, by the way. 
503-733-2970. Joining us in just moments will be Don Taylor from Cinematical. Tim Riley is working on the following stories on this Tuesday morning. Breaking news, President Obama has just arrived in Baghdad from an unannounced stop to check on the troops. The pilot of that stolen Cessna, that Canadian pilot, wanted the U.S. fighter just to shoot him down. We should have. We're too kind. The tap of this could run $500,000. Is that because they have to wait the tap for what? The scrambled jets, the F-16s. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Put them in the air. But, I mean, then we have to... Uh, what is it? They cost $50,000 per hour per jet. To, to fly? Yes. How is that possible? That's how much they cost. Okay, but that's... It's, made, that, well, it's, it's, it's the defense industry. Everything is jacked up. But don't we own those? We, it's not like we, we have do. to go to Lockheed and rent them every time we need to fly somewhere. I guess you got to pay the pilots. Maybe they're union. No, but that's not true either, because the pilots, wouldn't, wouldn't they be military pilots? Yes, they would be. Well, don't we pay them already? We do. That's how much we pay them. We don't pay... Okay. I get clear. Here's the thing is, I mean, we're going to get into some sort of a land war about this story, and it's a thing that none of us have the actual answer to. So I will just. Kind of like your outfield question? Exactly. Let's move along to another story. I'm just saying it can't cost $500,000 because the only thing you're really paying for is the fuel. Because that's, the pilots that's are, po- are. That's possible too. But we didn't use $500,000 worth of fuel, not even in this stupid economy. That's for two F 16s, they say. We already own the planes. The pilots are already members of the military, so they're already being paid. Where would the 500000 Everybody who works at. Uh, whatever the, everybody pushing those buttons, looking at the maps? The air traffic control guys, or the guy, the, the, like the Fred the Thompson guy looking at the. Peg leg at the, and the, the guy sitting there smoking the cigar? The guy with the peg leg. <laughs> Captain Avatar telling Alex Wildstar how to attack Gamelons. Um, the, well, everybody's got money. They're, yeah, but they're already employed by the government and the military. I demand to know what would cost $500,000 to fly planes for an hour. That's the way our military works. All right. Should we talk about something else? I'm just saying right now that that's propaganda, Tim. That's, uh, that's Well, prop- that's what I'm here for. We are the unwitting mouthpiece uh, of an angry government right now. Because you know what it is? Here's the thing: is that we have no money uh, because of our stupid, broken, we always have freaking money when economy. To the military. No, but we're going to shake down the Canadians for that five hundred thousand. That's my point. We are inflating the cost. They should shake him down. Is that the Canadians' ball? Oh no, they're going to they're going to shake him down uh, and also break all his bones. Uh, that uh, that guy who stole the plane. Shaking down is only the first step. They're going to shake him down to make sure that he doesn't have any weapons, and that they're going to sit and they're going to tase every single inch of him, one inch at a time, over and over and over again. But my guess is that the U.S. government is inflating the cost, uh, uh, you know, how much money it took to, to get this guy out of the air, and then we're going to go to the Canadian government, and we're going to go, uh, you'll need to pay us back. That'll be 500000 And then, then they're going to kind say, of, well, why don't you shoot him down? That's what he wanted. <laughs> Seriously. Don't come crying to us. Can we pay you in burnt waffles? Right. Or Canadian bacon. Yes. Some of the other things going on. Drunken horseplay gets out of hand. Like Oswego man gets 10 years for the drowning of one of his neighbors in a hot tub. The mother of the five kids killed by her husband says she was not having an affair. She was just talking to a gentleman friend who knows how to treat a woman in the parking lot of that smoke shop. Did she say it while asking for a wafer thin mint? Is it please can I have that new greasy baseball cap? Yes, my pet, it's yours. <laughs> wow. Too soon. Well, that's what, no, no, no. It would have been too soon yesterday. She still, a, she still looks like Michael Moore. And it's about her. Uh, it's about we're not her. just speaking about anybody else in the She story. wants to be treated like a woman. And she has to go to the parking lot of the smoke shop to find a that. A Tacoma woman, but still. I swear to God, though, Tim actually was twirling his head uh, like a cigar. Hold on. Let's, I'm sorry. The, uh, my fault. Let's welcome now. Uh, keep forgetting you don't have an on button for your microphone there. Don Taylor from Cinematical, who can be held back no longer. I yes? know, it wasn't my turn to talk, I know, but when Tim did the uh, the My Pet thing, he actually was like brandishing <laughs> his pen like a cigar. Sort of Groucho Marx style. Cigarillo. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, uh, look, it's all it's all relative. What it takes to capture the heart well, of isn't one that woman. What people are thinking. That's certainly what I was thinking when I saw that picture this morning. I did look. I'm just saying. She spend an hour with me in the car, and you'll you'll get a carton of Long Winston's to take home with you, and maybe some scratchers. It's a big store. Let's go in and take a look around. Sort of a uh, sort of a door you have prize. No place to go. Oh no, my husband's home. He's fine. <laughs> he he does. Uh, I have. Indi- did you say she indicated in the past that he was abusive? Yes, that's what she said. He he. he you know, here's his. I mean, a woman who is not going to stand around and be bashed by anyone. She's obviously. a substantial woman. A woman of substance, I yes. would imagine. And she is saying that he he was telling her that she can't do things to go anywhere. And obviously, she's going to the smoke shop, so she has a little bit of time to herself. Yes, she does. Well, if she did feel that he was abusive in any way, it's uh, it's good that she chose to leave the uh, the kids there. That was a uh, you know well well thought out on your part. Maybe, maybe she was going to the smoke shop for him. And and uh, and that made it even more special that she met this guy who knows oh, how to trade a woman. pack of luckies. <laughs> the uh, what is it? Was she now? See now, I don't even know. Was she going? And when you say smoke shop, is this like a cigarette shop or is this like a smoked meat place? Like a place where you would go and you would have like a smokery? No, I, I think this is a cigarette shop. Okay, I'm just well in Tacoma, it could be any number of things. Sometimes head shops are called I had smoke shops. A friend shops. who showed me that it was not okay to be treated the way that I was being treated. She and. But that doesn't even mean anything. What does that mean, that statement there? Is that... That sounds like someone dancing around an answer. When she says, I had a friend who... mm," Is she talking about the person that she ostensibly met at the smoke shop? Yes. Okay, so that is who she's... And apparently they work together at the Walmart. Or are you or are you bluffing there? I can't tell. No, it is true. Ah, okay. Yeah, it could have gone either way. Wait, uh, so the guy works at the smoke shop and at Walmart? No, no. This is where people go. No, they were their liaison. You're right. They're, uh, they're, ronde- <laughs> they're rendezvous this points. This is the lover's lane uh, of Auburn. The, 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 the muckluck uh, smoke shop. This shopper. is like inspiration point what was, for, for what those was, who live in that town. What was the name of the smoke shop? It is called... Muckledy, guckledy, uh, something muckle, or... Muckle something. Muckle, muckle shoals. I'll find it. All right. Well, whatever. Uh, but they were the they were the the smoke shop, which is a, a tobacconist or, or whatever you would yeah. call it. So it's like that. It's like, it's like the smokes for a less place in eighty second. Mm. In but fact, it, I would wager bigger. it's almost exactly like that place. Oh, the one next to the trailer park and Gen X clothing. Yeah. Um, well, they did live in a trailer park, and no. they lived in a double wide. Behold my shock. So, but so she is going to the smoke shop to meet up with this man, and she gets caught. Who, but by the husband. By the husband and the daughter. Now, why would, but uh, hold on, but now why did the husband go to the smoke shop? He, did he know she was going there? They traced her cell phone to there somehow. Oh, that seems unlikely. Really? I mean, well, they do have people, a teenage daughter, and they these do, kids know how to do these things. I would well, think. okay, that's a fair point. I was going to say. They, I mean, I don't know how to do it. People on the outskirts of Tacoma. Adults need kids to help them to understand this new fire. technology. Well, I suppose that's true. So, uh, so the daughter, So the daughter then figured it out. So he goes to the smoke shop. Not a convenience store, as was previously. That would be too low rent. Not to the convenience store, as was previously reported. Goes well, to the smoke shop. To be kind. Well, he goes to the, the. Now, the weird thing is, I mean, you know, you know, all the usual, uh, you know, preambles apply. It's a horrible story, and it's awful, and you know, whatever. But the weird thing is that if it's because he's all cranked up about the wife, presumably getting it on with some. Some other charming resident. She of, allegedly said that she's not coming back. But I mean. It seems odd that that he would not have just taken it out on her. Although, as you pointed out, she is kind of a wall of a woman. She's kind of a uh, well, kind of a Bluto from Popeye she, kind of a thing going on with her. She does not look like the type of woman who would 
take any crap from anyone. No, no she's a she's a trailer park woman. For she, goodness sake, it's kind of a kind of a haystacks Calhoun uh, sort of a vibe going on. Right. All right, well, yeah, <sighs> no, I'll save the rest of my comments for later. It's just, uh, uh, it's just too much, too many things, too many things, too many things. That's and auditions for circus clowns are being held in New York City today. All right. So if you're in New York City, which you're probably not, what do you mean audition for, for what? For a what New kind York of circus? circus? Uh, for a circus. Okay. I, uh, it's, right. It's but, Ringling Brothers Circus. Oh, but so it's like a tour. So it's not like just New York. It's a touring it's circus. It's a touring circus. When yeah. is the last time anybody here went to see uh, a Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus? Has it? Were you in double Elementary digits? Elementary school, probably. Yeah. That is a thing that you only go to when you have kids or are a kid. Because the, and because and it's always like the, like the local tire store is giving a tickets away for free. Like when is the last time anybody paid for tickets to that? Ever, ever since I found out about how they actually train the elephants and the tigers with like the cattle prods and things like that, I'm not fond of circuses. See, but mm. I am for exactly the same reason that you're not. <laughs> I am a fan of circuses, and I'm even a fan. Uh, hear me out on this. I'm even a fan of the really uh, uh, the really unfair and uh, and inhumane and brutal way they train the animals. Because that inevitably leads to the animal uprising where they stomp the trainer to death into a fine paste, and that is fantastic. I am a big fan of the animal oh, uprising. Man, I love it I when animals turn on their trainers. But it's kind of like NASCAR. It's like, you know, I'm not going to sit through a NASCAR race on the off chance someone will spin out of control and crash into a wall. So you're saying you probably won't be lucky enough to be at the circus right. where, the, where the elephant crushes the guy. Right. That's a fair point. I was at a rodeo one time. Uh, uh, or, or rodeo, if you're, uh, if you're, uh, from Auburn. Um, so I was at a rodeo, uh, as a kid, and one of the horses did that to one of the guys. It was that thing where the, you know, the, the, the bucking bronco or whatever, you gotta stay in for eight seconds, which I may be wrong about this. Maybe I'm passing along sort of, uh, urban myths. But is it not true that they do, they, they, uh, they get the horse all irritated by putting a, a, a tight rubber band about around his, uh, genitals? I don't think, I don't think it's a horse. It, it, isn't it a, piece of cattle well maybe i'm conflating the two things i, I think you get the two mixed I, up i don't think no, it's no, no, there's the horse their... it's like a, the guy goes out and he has to stay on the horse for eight seconds i don't believe it's actually a rubber band around their member their, their yes. stuff but they're that they do uh have a strap that rides well, that's up I mean. there a, that's extremely uncomfortable that's what them. i'm yeah that's that's what i'm saying it's like isn't the horse antagonized in right, some way like boxes that are just too tight Right. And so the horse is like, hey, get this thing up, bastard, sons of bitches, you know, and decides to, oh, and hey, there's a guy on my back. Damn it, yeah, all the like, hell. It's like when you tie a shirt around your cat's waist and you watch the cat just kind of buck around that the, the living room for a few minutes and then you go, oh, that's cruel. I shouldn't have done that, but it's funny anyway. That's what they do to the horses. They tie cats around them? <laughs> In some cultures, yes. Oh. Only... Like you've never done that to your cat. I've oh, never owned. I've a never cat. had a cat. I've never oh. had a cat. Yeah, we're not the cat people, Don. Mm-hmm. No, no uh, we. Uh, we and if we were, we sh- certainly wouldn't torture them. We had a cat for about three months. Once, when I was a kid, the cat ran away. No one missed it. The end. So uh, I don't have a pair of boxer shorts to spare for a cat. Oh man, I saw the greatest sign the other day. Uh, it was a. The guy, it was in. Uh, uh, where was it? it was like uh, San Diego or something. It was in California, but. Um, but a guy, the guy living with a woman, and she had a cat, and whatever. The cat runs away, and they, I guess they, they caught the guy. The woman caught the guy doing this because he put up several of them. But he put up some sign on telephone poles. It was like, you know, missing cat, and with picture the cat's like, if you see it, keep it, take it far away, never return it. Um, it's like no matter what the tag says, no matter what's on the collar, don't bring it home, please, please, I beg of you. And then the, then like the girlfriend wife saw that all, it all went sideways. Anyway, just to wrap all this up. Uh, so I do believe when there's the thing where the guy has to ride the Bronco for eight seconds, it is there's a strap or something that uh, antagonizes the animal's genitals. Uh, and then, of course, there's also some 
redneck bastard on the back of it. Wearing uh, spurs. Yeah, like Kicking jabbing it with spurs. Anyway, so I was at a rodeo, and man, they were doing it to the horse, and the guy's like spurring the horse right in the ribs. And I'm like 10, and I'm thinking, well, that's got to suck. And then the horse like bucked the guy off onto the ground, stepped on his head, totally crushed his head right there. Oh, and then also kicked him in the ribs, I think, for good measure. And it was so deeply satisfying. Was Even as a, like a watermelon. Uh, uh, the guy didn't die, but he talked, I think, a real funny for the rest of his life after that. I And I don't think, by the way, he was jabbing his foot into the ribs of any animals after that. So, so you're saying you got your money's worth that day. Oh, I did. It was so great. I mean, even then, I was rooting for the animals. So uh, suck on that, Bucky. So he probably spoke at high school graduations after that about rodeo. I'm not a role model. Yes. I'm sorry. Too soon for any number of these things. Straight ahead, Don Taylor will talk to us about DVD releases. More from Tim Riley later on. Katie Darrell from TMZ. It's the Rick Emerson Show, Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. What a catastrophe! This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Still to come, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. And the five whitest songs ever recorded, plus your chance to win tickets to the Jägermeister Music Tour, featuring Pennywise, also a Pennywise skate deck. And, of course, if you win that, you'll be entered into a giveaway for the Jägermeister Tap Machine, a custom guitar, PV amplifier, JVC HD radio, etc. And uh, stuff. Oh, uh, also, uh, tomorrow, I should tell you this right now, join us tomorrow when our guests will include... Who's going to say it? Joan Embry. No. <laughs> Hit the post with that, too. You know when you said you said Joan Embry just now and for a minute? It, it, you know, like sometimes you're analyzing words as people are saying them. I thought you were going to say Joan Namath. That's also not true, by the way. Nor it, the Joan Embry thing is true. It's going to be uh, Harold Perrineau, who, uh, of course, late of Lost. Uh, he was, uh, he was what's the it, Michael? The most annoying character on Lost ever. So he was Michael on Lost. He was Michael on Lost, father of Walt, and who also became Kevin, who was blown up on the freighter. Oh, sorry, spoilers. Wow. Angry. <laughs> uh, he made me so frustrated. He was also the character of Augustus in Oz, uh, the HBO series Oz by Tom Fontana, which was fantastic. And he was also Mercutio in, um, Romeo and Juliet, the one that came out in 1997. I suppose, if you're into culture. Uh, so it Culture? Was- that's Claire Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> That is culture, Sarah. And John and Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. <laughs> uh, so that that'll was Romeo and Juliet with a plus sign in the middle, so that made it cool. Again. I actually just recently watched that again, and I heart that movie very, I, very much. I really don't, but I can see why people do. And I will say this about Romeo and Juliet. Here's the good thing about that Romeo and Juliet movie. It was First of all, it, does, it had John Leguizamo, John Leguizamo, who I really do like, even in movies like The he Happening. He dies off pretty quick, though. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a great actress on for anything with him. Also... Uh, that movie was successful enough uh, that it financed the production of Moulin Rouge, uh, which is one of my favorite films. So I'm a big fan of that. All right. Don Taylor is here from Cinematical. Hello, Don Taylor. Hello, Rick Emerson. What might I, Rick Emerson, be able to buy with my uh, <laughs> the, the hard-earned dollars in my wallet? What uh, goods and services might I be able to obtain in the world of film? Well, uh, if you have a Blu-ray player, uh, Warner Brothers today has uh, put out a bunch of their movies from their back catalog on Blu-ray only. Uh, so if you're a fan of, you know, and there are varying degrees of goodness, depending on your taste. Uh, 2010, the year we make contact, Above the Law. Yeah. Hmm. Wait, uh, is Above the Law the one with Kelly LeBrock? I have no idea. I think that's out for justice. There was all those three word, Above the Law, Out for Justice, Hard to Kill, uh, and there was one more. Above the law, out for justice, hard to kill, something, something, something. He did an additional three-word, Steven Seagal did an additional yes. three-word uh, film, and then he made Under Siege uh, with Erica Laniac. Um, and uh, 
Every guy knows what I'm talking about when I say with Erica Laniac, because there's that scene that you watched over and over and over and over again, and you know what scene I'm talking about. Anyway. Wasn't she a Baywatch chick? She was a Baywatch chick, and she was also, I think, the Playmate of the Year in 90, uh, 93, I think. Because, and here's the reason I know that, uh, because I, that was a period when I was reading Playboy every month because I was doing, I was, uh, for the internet and whatever. And so there was always show content. There was always show prep in Playboy magazine, probably still is. Um, but Erica Laniac was, she was the playmate of the month and I think of the year, but she was in the same issue that had an interview with Rush Limbaugh of all things. So it was the weirdness, like, it would, uh, of, of flipping from one thing to the other. So you get this cognitive dissonance of like, hot girl, Rush Limbaugh, ah! <laughs> you know, and then you wonder if by constantly flipping through the magazine and seeing like, Erica Laniac's uncovered breasts and then seeing Rush Limbaugh, if you're somehow doing this Pavlovian thing of training yourself to only become sexually aroused at the sight of Rush Limbaugh. Or and maybe it was just a very canny plot to make Rush Limbaugh more attractive to a to a broader audience. Maybe they did. Well, they asked him in the interview. They said, um, they said, well, you know, you're you know, you're the, the beacon of conservatism and, you know, the, the morality and so forth. And why are you here being interviewed in Playboy magazine? And he had the great, you know, one of those great Rush Limbaugh answers. He goes, well, as the Bible says, you must go to where the sinners are. So here I am. All right. Uh, so under the law, out for? Uh, above the law. Above the law. And yes. also from Warners on Blu-ray today, uh, Collateral Damage. Uh, the Wedding Singer, the 100-minute extended version, because, you know, an extra 10 minutes makes it funnier. As long as it's more Buscemi. That's but, all I care about. But the two that I found uh, notable, American History X, which has an um, amazing really? performance by Edward Norton. Wait, so, so this is a, now what you say this is on Blu-ray? On Blu-ray. Wait, so there, is there anything added to the film? I don't believe so. I think these are just Blu-ray, just so that if you have like a big fancy pants, oh. high-definition TV and a Blu-ray player, you can watch it. Which I don't. So Super what is great. Blu-ray? Uh, Blu- it's kind of like the HD radio of video. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's a uh, it's a higher compression. Uh, it's hella visual. DVD. It's it's hella uh, it's hella DVD. Okay. And also, uh, along with American History X, Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash because for the win. If you're well if done. you're gonna watch, uh, you know, Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone take a shower together, I want to see it in as high a definition as possible. Let me just say this. I don't know whether you are consciously uh, crafting your content now to appeal shamelessly to the male uh, 25 to 54 demographic, but God bless you in any event. Because, first of all... I love Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash is a fantastic film. Uh, And... And just and just a great title too. I mean, it just rolls off your tongue. You know what I mean? Uh, so there's Tango and Cash, and then back on the American History X thing for a second. I don't have a Blu-ray player. I mean, I have the regular like. You know, the, uh, I, I am that guy that is like, I buy something, and you know what? I'm going to use it till it falls apart. You know my car? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that you see that guy with the bumper sticker? The don't laugh, it's paid for. I don't have that bumper sticker, but I have that bumper sticker inside on my heart and yet you're an early adopter when it comes to little phone thingies and and tech gadgets I, like everything techie he's he's I, totally but, on see, I, but not as much as i used to be see that's the thing i was an early adopter where i would get like i had the very first mp3 player that was created because M- uh, creative labs uh, they created they own the patent on the mp3 no magic player box. yeah and i had that it was like the size of a car and i had that um you know and uh, but the problem is it's just that there are more and more products coming out. I don't mean that like things are advancing faster. I mean that there are more categories to which you have to early adopt. So I've had to kind of narrow it down because they're just creating things left and right. And I just said there's just no time or money. So, um, but like my car paid for, I will drive it until it falls apart. I don't care. People, you shouldn't you have a new car? Uh, I don't know. Shouldn't you have consumer debt you can't possibly take care of? Jackass. So, uh, you know, so I have my car. You can drive it forever. 
my TiVo has a DVD player and burner inside of it. I will use that until the day that it just crumbles apart underneath me. And at that point, you know what? And here's the other thing. It's not like I'm intentionally trying to be a Luddite either. I mean, I like, you know, I like stuff and things, but I have this television that is of a, it's a largish television, but it's the old cathode ray uh, kind. It's, it's not like, it's not a flat screen. It's not a plasma. It's not whatever. You know what? Shows a picture. It's fine. I turn it on. Things appear. I turn it off. You know, things go away. That's all it needs to do. So this probably won't affect me. My thing about American History X is that I just, I so desperately want them to put out a version with a commentary or a documentary because, you know, there was a whole, the whole controversy with the making of that film where, uh, uh, what's his name? Tony Kay tried to take his name off the film because he claimed that Ed Norton went in and edited it without his permission and that what you see in the theaters or on DVD is like the Ed Norton remix of the movie or whatever, right? Isn't that the yeah, deal? Something like that, yeah. And it's and it, and if that is the case, then, you know, God bless him because yeah. it's an excellent movie. It's an astonishing film. I mean, it's just, you in it, you know, it has not lost one ounce of its punch. I don't know when the last time anybody saw American History X was. It's just a staggering film. I mean, even the you, I saw it about six months ago, and it's just, it's just jaw-droppingly good. But Tony Kay was so pissed about what Ed Norton allegedly did to the editing that he tried to have uh, the credit changed to directed by Humpty Dumpty, <laughs> and I think he got he got told to just to to eat one. Uh, and as a result, that's why that guy didn't make another movie until uh, last year. He put on a, a documentary last year that was the first thing he'd done since then because he was just so pissed about the whole thing. So great film though, Tango and Cash. And the other big DVD uh, thing today, there are some uh, some recent uh, releases. Doubt, The Day the Earth Stood Still with Keanu Reeves, uh, Yes Man. But the the big one for you, um, a three disc uh, set of No Country for Old Men, the Coen Brothers film starring Javier Bardem and Josh Brolin. Uh, there was a DVD that came out a year ago, but it was strictly bare bones. There was right. nothing on it. This is three discs, which is kind of a, a cheat because the third disc is a digital copy. So you can load it onto your iPhone or your iPod or whatever it is the kids do. Because I, you know, I know when I watch a movie, I want to see it as tiny as possible. Can I see it on a one inch by one inch screen, please? Uh, but uh, the other two discs, um, it's uh, the there's a making of documentary. There's behind the scenes stuff at the Coens. There's. There's several different documentaries. There's a behind-the-scenes thing that Josh Brolin filmed himself. And then there's this thing called the Publicity Timeline, where they take all of these publicity things that they did for the movie, and they run them for you in in order of date. When oh, that's it happened. pretty cool. So you can kind of follow the publicity tour. And some of this stuff is great. There's a Charlie Rose interview with the Coens and uh, Bardem and Brolin that's excellent. There's a Q&A at the Writers Guild of America with the Coens where they talk about how they adapted Cormac McCarthy's novel. It's just a really, really nice package. And if you love this movie, and it is... It's a great film. It's a great film. And I'm not like the world's biggest Coen Brothers fan. They tend to irritate me almost always. But uh, but this is a really, really, really good film that Tim Riley uh, turned off about 10 minutes uh, in, I think, right? It was too much for me. Yeah. It was like saving Private Ryan. Yeah, and I still haven't seen it. It's like the first time that when the guy gets uh, gets capped by the side of the road, I think Tim said, that's when I decided to hit stop. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's an intense film. And here's the thing. I never liked Josh Brolin until I saw this movie. This is the movie that changed my mind on him because he just seemed like such a yokel. Uh, but it, this is great. And Javier Bardem is d- d- terrifying without really even doing anything. You know, Tommy um, Lee Jones is Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. And it doesn't have <laughs> Wilford Brimley in it. Does it? Who's the guy, the old guy that Tommy Lee Jones goes to speak with? And he tells him the story about it. And then one time there were some geese. He tells like an onion on his belt. 
kind of story. I think it's Wilfred Brimley or a guy who looks a lot like I Wilfred kind of Brimley. I blocked that out of my head. It Whatever. may be a guy who looks like But you just, it's like I remember watching the movie and Javier Bardem's voice being so low, it was like rattling the, the fillings of my teeth where I would flip the coin and perhaps you, you know, and you're, ah, you're just sitting there in the living room just being terrified by the whole thing. So I strongly recommend that. Yes, no country for old men. Where can people read your writing, Don Taylor? Uh, people can read my writing on cinematical.com. And then because of all of the clamor and uh, desire to find where to read my uh, exciting writings, I am uh, basically updating again my uh, my personal movie blog. So starting tomorrow, I mean, if you go there today, you'll see a whole bunch of stuff from like nine months ago. But starting tomorrow, you'll be able to get daily updates at cinemasideshow.com. All one word? Yes. All right. Cinematical or at cinemasideshow.com. And yes. we're also looking forward to a top five from you sometime in the near future, right? Oh, yes. And then maybe somebody, Dawn, can quit uh, complaining during the breaks, rather passively, I might add, that she's never been asked to do a top five. I never got to do a top five. Well, we've all got problems. All right. <laughs> Don Taylor, ladies and gentlemen. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Katie Darrell from TMZ coming up and the five whitest songs ever recorded. However, now is your chance to uh, win a pair of tickets to see Pennywise uh, as part of the Jägermeister Music Tour. Uh, we'll take caller 10 right now. Caller number 10 at 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. That's around the corner. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Tim Riley ahead with more news later on. Katie Darrell from TMZ.com uh, with the latest on everyone's favorite troublemaker, Chris Brown. Later on, we'll do the top five whitest songs ever recorded. It is now your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Pennywise as part... Wait, wait, wait hold on a second. I didn't do the thing. Wait, hold on. Stop. It's now... It's completely not there. There we go. All right, that's fantastic. Flawless. That's what I do, Sarah. All right. Uh, so the Jägermeister Music Tour is coming to town. It's going to be at the Roseland April 14th, uh, featuring Pennywise, Pepper, and we are going to be giving you a shot at those tickets as well as your chance at a Jägermeister tap machine, a custom uh, Jägermeister Schechter, Schechter? Schechter. Schechter. It's a guitar company. S-C-H-E-C-T-E-R. I'm not going to pretend to be more of a I musician than I really am. Schechter. Uh, a PV amplifier and a JVC HD radio. So that is the grand prize. If you win these tickets, you are automatically qualified uh, to go into the drawing for that grand prize. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go to the phones, as they say. Uh, hello, caller 10. Who might this be? This is Rick. Hello. How are you today, sir? Good. Thanks. All right, my friend. It is time to play punk rock trivia for your shot at a pair of tickets to the Jägermeister Music Tour featuring Pennywise. Here is today's question. This is a good one. What clean? And by the way, this uh, this question is Rick Emerson created, but Sarah Dillon approved. <gasps> no, that's a bummer. That sounds like an accidental disconnect. Well, unfortunately, oh. uh, maybe that was fate intervening. Maybe there was no way to answer that for him. All right, uh, hello, uh, guy who's not caller ten, but who through sheer happenstance and fate now gets his chance at the tickets. What is your name? Adrian. Hello, Adrian. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am fantabulous, my friend. Also splendiferous, in case you were wondering. <laughs> All right, here is today's question. Okay. What clean living lifestyle took its name from the 1981 minor threat song of the same name? Uh, what? I have no idea. I'll read it one more time. What clean living Come lifestyle? On, what clean living lifestyle took its name from the 1981 minor threat song of the same name? Minor threat, the band that then became a Fugazi. Go green? I don't know. That's a good guess. <laughs> By good, I mean wrong, but but well meaning. All right. Thank you, sir. Right. Oh, see, I thought your question was too easy, but I guess not. Right. Well, Sarah, it's just uh, your brain is too highly trained. Mm. I, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who might this be? 
This is Eldon. Hello, Eldon. How are you today? I'm pretty good. All right. Same question to you, sir. What clean living lifestyle took its name from the 1981 minor threat song of the same name? Oh, wow. I have no idea. This really does surprise me, actually. I was afraid this question was too easy. I was going to say that you should take away clean living before we did it, because I'm like, that's going to be too big, much of a giveaway. Mm, All right. Well, is there any more of a hint, or is that it? Uh, Like, seriously, the hint is the definition of what the song is. uh, Yeah, I, um... Okay, I'll tell you what, uh... Should we bring it back? Should I should I add a, a, a hint here, Sarah? How do we feel about this? Because the other guys didn't get the hint. You wonder if maybe it seems like that I'm more, sort of though. adjusting the playing people? field here. All right. All right. Thank you for your attempt, my friend. All right. Better luck next I'm time. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be. All right. There we go. Um, okay. Should we do one more? I think so. All right. Final attempt at this. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who's this? Hello. This is Rick. Hey, wait. Is this Rick from the first time around? It is. Were you able to... a, I've got a driving route, and I ran out of uh, cell service ah, there for a second. All right, so you were able to get back on the phone. All right, all right, here yeah. we go. So this is this is it. We're going to be uh, either giving it away or not with this call. Rick, what clean living lifestyle took its name from the 1981 minor threat song of the same name? Hello? Are you there? Wow. <laughs> okay, he's not meant to win, and no one is. Ladies and gentlemen at the news desk, it's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Well, we have a lot of things to cover today. First, a local children's book author faces child pornography charges, and he worked at the library helping children. Four Salem teens go to court accused of plotting a Columbine-style activity. Thuggish-looking extras are needed for Leverage, the TV show filming in Portland. A Bonacci burglar armed with a sledgehammer is shot to death. That Canadian who stole a plane landed in Wisconsin with F-16s on his tail, which cost $500,000, said he wanted to commit suicide. That's a lot of crazy talk is what that is. But we're too understanding about these things. Well, you know, in America, you know, Tim, it's... uh... This is all Bill Clinton's fault. We've become too tolerant of a people. Too soft. Oh, incidentally, uh, for those who are wondering, the answer to the trivia question is straight edge. Yes, straight edge. Straight edge uh, are those kids that you see at the club that have the black X's on the back of their hand. Yeah. I love it. My friend Jason in high school got like XXX tattooed on his arm, and then like we went to the high school reunion together, and he was like the drunkest guy there. Of course. Well, yeah. that's, I mean, that's, you know, the, that's how it always happens. Here's the problem with straight edge stuff. So, straight edge is there's a song uh, by Minor Threat called Straight Edge, which is either about living a, a, a clean, clean and virtuous lifestyle, and, you know, it's not about abusing your body with drugs and alcohol, which is, and I mean, and this, sexual relations. Well, that's the thing. See, I was going to say that. I mean this sincerely and not in an Eddie Haskell kind of way. That really is admirable. Uh, you know, that they, you know, if, if it works for you, that you just decide to leave, live your life free of chemicals and whatever. I mean, you know, God bless you. Um, but really, the, the, but Ian McKay, who is the guy from Minor Threat and Fugazi, seems like a principal guy, but is also just kind of a jackass for the same reason, because he just seems utterly joyless in many ways, because the other tenet of the straight edge philosophy is also don't have sex. And so it tends to fall apart for most people at that point. Um, so, you know, there you go. But in, it, not surprisingly, you, you, like if uh, like when I lived in Utah, there's straight edge kids everywhere because they're kids who grow up Mormon and then they leave the Mormon faith. They can no longer they no longer believe in the religious side of it. They they leave the religion behind. That happens. But they like oh yeah a lot. A lot. I mean a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of attrition. They don't like to talk about it, but there's a lot of attrition in that faith. Um, but the kids will become really disillusioned with the church because you know they want to rock da, da, and roll. Da, 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 da. Well, that also well. I'm putting a pin in that right now. Uh, I'm just going to start a whole thing. I'm just going to start a whole. I'm going to start the a whole long. Of Hollywood. Start a, 
Olog thing that's going to end in me making fun of Twilight again. But um, but so the kids will leave the religion, but they want to keep you know they, they want to keep that structure in their lives, and so they go right to Straight Edge, which has a great appeal for them. And so you'll see those kids with the big black X's on the back of their hand, and as Sarah pointed out, a lot of times they'll get it tattooed on and become permanent, and then they decide that they really like to snort cocaine mm. all day, and then it's just awkward for everybody involved, especially because you, you can tell someone's going to be a hardcore drinker, or drugger, no, <laughs> if totally. they put it on their body, or if you know, or if they're in high school involved in any sort of like saving myself. For marriage class, that's the girl who's going to get it put to her in the back of a Volkswagen some night. Uh, and, you know, she'll have 15 kids by the time school lets out. You know it's true. And then she'll move to Tacoma, uh, theoretically speaking, uh, and so forth. We'll get back to uh, more Tacoma activities in just a minute. But first, we have Levi Johnson, Bristol Palin's ex. Well, he's making the rounds on TV. And every day he says something terrific and memorable. Now he says he and Bristol broke up because she didn't get along with his sister. His think, sister. Uh, her and my sister have gotten some fights. I don't really see, I don't really like each other very much, and I don't think she trusts my sister. And you, so Bristol, your ex-girlfriend, and your sister don't get along? No. They so don't get along? I think that's a big problem with her not letting them come over to my house or me taking them around. And she doesn't want her friends seeing the baby. So Bristol doesn't want well, this guy's your a sister's friends to see the baby? Yeah. You can tell that not even she cares, and she realizes halfway mm-hmm. through this interview that, like, why did I agree to do this? Because, boy, that guy's in full-on Joe the Plumber territory at this yeah. point. Like, who who gives a rat's ass? Did you see that Joe the Plumber got booed off stage somewhere, like, uh, two days ago? Good. That, that must have been on uh, Bill Maher's show. I, no, no, no. He was at a public speaking. Uh, oh, what? He was No, he was doing, like, a, like a lecture or something. <laughs> Imagine. They brought him to share his thoughts and wisdom with the people. But he started saying something about... You know, about, uh, they say we ought to get rid of our big cars. That's just a load of, of, of bollocks or whatever. And, but he was, you know, and, and suddenly everybody realized, wait a minute, this guy's a retard. And they began to boo him off stage. But the thing with the, this. Well, Le- he's kind of a fatter cable guy. The, well, this Levi Johnson thing, it's like, why is he doing, is he pushing something? Does he have a book? Well, no, he's an interesting chat show guest during the day. Or is he just figuring this is a way to shake a few dollars out of the networks yeah. by going around doing interviews? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think we've already moved on as a, uh, as a people. So up to Washington State we go. The mother of the five children killed in the family's trailer park denies she was having an affair and believes her husband killed her kids to punish her. Uh, she went on the TV up there, and uh, let's see what she had to say to this report. Man at this convenience store in Auburn. Based on a series of accounts, detectives had reported that she had said she was leaving him and would not be coming home. But Angela Harrison says that's not true. I wasn't having an affair. I had a friend who showed me that it was not okay to be treated the way that I was being treated. And you can really uh, tell by her lack of composure there that she is uh, she's, she's shaken to the core. She's no, she's devastated upset. by what she happened really to her children. It, uh, it comes through in every syllable. All right, we're going to do this to get caught up. Katie Darrell from TMZ.com uh, after that. Then more news with Tim Riley, followed by the five whitest songs ever recorded. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Good morning to ye. It's 503-733-2970. Straight ahead, more news from Tim Riley. And uh, for the bottom of the hour, we will count down the five whitest songs ever recorded. Five whitest songs ever recorded. Uh, don't forget to join us tomorrow when our guests will include Harold Perrineau, uh, formerly of Lost, of Oz, of uh, uh, Romeo and Juliet, the um, Boz Lerman film, and then he's in that new series. <laughs> 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 right, fantastic. 
Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from TMZ.com our good friend Katie Darrell. Hello, Katie Darrell. Hi, good morning, Rick. It occurs to me that you don't have, uh, unlike a lot of uh, folks on the show, you don't have your own opening theme song. Would you like to have an opening song? Yes. What, what would... Yes, 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 yes. What would you like it to be? Do you have a preference? Uh, Motley Crue, girls, girls, girls. Done and done. Okay. All right, and okay, you'll have that ready for you next week. Excellent. What is going on in the world of TMZ, Katie Darrell? Uh, you know, we've got a lot of updates, some of them more interesting than others. Uh, I like to put this one in the boring category, but kind of like the car wreck, so you can't look away. you got to acknowledge it. Lindsay and Sam Ronson, Lindsay Lohan, Samantha Ronson, looks like they broke up and things have gotten really nasty. Apparently, Sam Ronson's sister and mother went to the Beverly Hills Police Station yesterday, and this is actually broken by Us Weekly, so TMZ has to give them big ups for that. Uh, they went there asking about how to get a restraining order on Lindsay Lohan, and we're being told that Lindsay Lohan's camp is really worried that she might lash out towards Sam. So um, we can only hope that this is going to unfold in the public eye, because I'm sure it's going to be trash tasked. And so wasn't Sam Ronson was the sort of, she was the kind of stable one in that relationship, or so it seemed anyway. Yes. And so now when there's no stable one, there's just the crazy one left. <laughs> And uh, we were sort of talking about this uh, during the break that just and this is merely my own personal observation. I'm not uh, speaking for the lesbian community, but in my experience, lesbians do two things. They move in together almost immediately and then they break up horribly, but it takes forever. Like they never really break up. It's just endless, like one long, drawn out, protracted final fight that goes on for about 12 years. So it does seem like kind of drags. Uh, yeah. What's really great, though, is that Lindsay Lohan apparently has like a private Twitter um, that she has. Like she has a public Twitter, I think, but then a private one. And right. apparently she was lashing out on that as well. So oh, good God. We, um, have a, we have a piece of sound here also. What, what is Lohan the sound? Telling the did you break up with Samantha? Did you guys break up? So why you didn't go to the party yesterday, Lindsay? Were you invited? I love Smith and not Charlotte. Charlotte's a nice thing. All right, so that's so. This is so. She clearly is uh, oh, yeah. nutty and unintelligible at the same that time. That was um, Samantha Ronson ha- had a party, um, and Lindsay Lohan apparently wasn't invited. Yet she showed up anyways, and the bouncers wouldn't allow oh, her in, wow. and that created a lot of drama as uh, well. Oh, she's so. that girl. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, what else is uh, what 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 else is she says with barely restrained glee? Uh, you speak for all of us, there, Katie. Uh, what else is happening? Uh, Chris Brown, Rihanna, he went to court, he pled not guilty, but then Rihanna's um, lawyer came out afterwards and kind of talked to the public. We have that up at TMZ.com so you can watch the whole thing. But essentially, uh, the lawyer came out saying, you know, they, uh, Rihanna wants this over quickly. Uh, she's okay with the plea bargain going in, and it's just a matter of waiting for all this kind of, uh, you know, all the T's to be crossed and the I's to be dotted because they are close to a, a plea bargain. So it'll be interesting to see what actually comes up because I know – I mean, obviously, Rihanna's co- cooperating and been hanging out with Chris Brown, so maybe you know she's got a bleeding heart for him. Um, how, how far is she going to push this? Is she going to have to do jail, uh, jail time? Is it going to be a fine? Is it going to be community service? Um, you know, it makes you look back at, remember when Pam and Tommy Lee went through all this? I do. And Tommy had to go to jail, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, Chris gets. Yeah, because I was, we were talking to somebody uh, about this this morning from CNN, and the question was like, if they were, did they, let me ask you this, did they live together? 
they had separate residences, but they just spend all their time together. So it's kind of like one of those things where the boyfriend sleeps over and never leaves. Ah, uh, okay. His place. Because it seems like if they were, maybe they weren't. So if they weren't technically cohabitating, it's different. Because I was thinking, because a lot of times in domestic violence, I think it's like, it doesn't matter if the woman tries to drop the charges or not, or whoever gets battered drops the charges, that, that they, you know, the state takes over and says, well, you can't, you know, you may back out, but we're still going to proceed with, with charges. So. Yeah, exactly. I think that would be the case. But actually, we're being told that Rihanna is cooperating and she doesn't want to come in and testify, but she would if need be. All right. Katie Daryl from TMZ.com. Next week, you have your own, uh, you have your own theme music. I cannot wait. Yeah, uh, TM- TMZ television uh, tonight, Fox 12 at 1130. Thank you, Katie Daryl. Bye. All right. There you go. Katie Daryl from TMZ.com. I dig her. You know what she is? She's like a, uh, she's like a blonde, perfectly coiffed id for all of us. You know, as much as we think that we that we just say uh, very blunt things, uh, she really outstrips us all in that regard, I think. All right. It is the Rick Emerson Show. Just ahead, Tim Riley has your news, and we have your top five whitest songs ever recorded. That's when the Rick Emerson Show continues. Dust in the wind. You can't talk over the last line. I was trying to do the, the, the Kansas thing, and then there was this horrible moment about five seconds ago when I started to speak. And then no sound came out, and for a moment I thought that I'd either gone mute or deaf, and then I realized that my microphone was just off. The end. Here's Tim Riley at the news desk. In the news with Tim Riley. Part of the Cuckoo's Nest Hospital in Salem is torn down. The Salmon Creek Burgerville will start serving beer and wine. GM and Segway have gotten together to create an ugly two-wheeled vehicle that looks like that tilt-a-wheel ride at the, uh, at the carnivals. It's really ugly. Anderson Cooper's okay with his mother's pornographic autobiography that comes out in June. The pilot who allegedly stole that small plane in Canada that was intercepted by F-16s was hoping to be shot down. It didn't happen. Major Brian Martin said this fellow named Leon failed to respond to repeated attempts to communicate with him. Certainly when you have an F-16 sitting beside you as you're flying in a Cessna, you you can't help but notice the aircraft there. After the pilot decided not to uh, listen to our our nonverbal signals, we uh, we decided to tail it. Leon! But they didn't shoot him down. So he finally lands in Missouri, tries to run away. Of course, everyone's on to him, and eventually he gets caught. Well, let's just back up for a second. So there was this. Before that was Anderson Cooper. Before that was, uh, or Gloria Vanderbilt. Before that was, what was the story you had, right? But there was, they were Salmon Creek Burger. Fast and Furious. Uh, Part of the cuckoo's nest is torn down. Ah, uh, there was something else. I tried to get through as you much material up, as possible. You went through something, and it, just as I was assembling my thoughts on it, we were on to the Gloria Vanderbilt thing and then to the uh, guy getting shot down thing. Wait, mm-hmm. wait, wait. Yes. Yes. No, I have nothing. All right. Uh, the uh, GM uh, Segway? Yes, that's exactly what it is. It's good, ugly. Good catch. No, it is. It's hideous. Um, but I'll tell you this. You know what it looks like? It looks like a tilt-a-whirl uh, on wheels. It also Rick looks Shaw? like... Well, you know those like weird... Uh, what are those like smart car things they talk about that are really... It's just like... It's just like a moped with like a glass dome around it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? It, or it looks like, or it looks like the just the cabin of a helicopter. Birds will love it. That's what this looks like. It looks like if you took just the cabin of a helicopter, just the sort of glass bubble part, and cut it in half down the middle, and you were just driving the front half of that around. I mean, that's it, it, there's no privacy whatsoever. No, it does raise the question exactly. Well, first of all, how much are they going to charge for that? Does it say? I mean, is it just is a thing they're actually going to sell, or is this like one of those concept it's, vehicles? Uh, Three hundred pounds can run thirty-five miles on a single charge. I'm looking at a price. I wonder if it's the thing that they're sort of they're going to kind of they're going to toy with this mm-hmm. by nope. showing it, but then they're not actually going to sell it. No price yet. Of course. Well, that means it probably doesn't exist. I mean, that would be my 
That would be my speculation, anyway. Your speculation. Right, it's, a, it's a silly idea. Let's do the uh, the Geek Watch. Here's your uh, Geek Watch yeah, for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Show. This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, I remember you used just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but because we were wondering if the quantum flux... And I just listen, on the there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no... I never get tired of damn. hearing that. Shit! You got it? Makes me giggle and chortle every time. While the world of truckers believe the new J.J. Abrams Star Trek would premiere in Sydney, Australia today, Leonard Nimoy made a surprise appearance in Austin, Texas last night. The film, a uh, the screen of film for the unsuspecting audience. A theater full of Trek fans showed up in the Texas capital, thinking they were going to see an all-new print of the classic Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And ten minutes into Abrams' reboot... All organized by Aided Cool News, Nimoy shocked the house by announcing they would, in fact, see the entire new movie just hours before it made its international bow it's in Sydney. Pretty righteous. So, what happened is, and if you're a fan of Ain't It Cool News, uh, the, uh, the you know the kind of the movie news geek site run by Harry Knowles, what happened is, and he'd been promoting this for quite some time. They've been they've had this thing that's on the site saying, "Hey, do you want to see a brand new, like clean, beautiful, restored print of Wrath of Khan? If so." I think it's, I don't know if it's the Alamo Draft House or whatever, but it's, you know, someplace in, someplace in Austin. And like, hey, come on down and we're going to be showing this great print of Khan. And then the added, like the cherry on top was, hey, and we're going to be showing 10 minutes of the new Star Trek film. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just the geeks from four corners all come down and they're, you know, they're all packed in there. And that's such a legendary place anyway. And Harry Knowles looms so large, literally and figuratively in the, in the geek community. And everybody's in there because they're all jacked up about seeing 10 minutes of the new Trek film, which I have to say, just as a personal aside, I wasn't all that thrilled uh, about the new Star Trek movie based on the first trailer, but that second trailer that came out, that like the really lo- not the teaser and not the first trailer, but the second trailer that's like I was like two and a half minutes is really cool looking. I'm I'm officially now enthused about the film. So they think they're there to see ten minutes of the film. How cool is this? Suddenly, as they put it, they said this guy in an overcoat and kind of a hat had sort of made his way onto the stage, kind of standing back and sort of in the shadows. Nobody knew who he was, and then they noticed he was holding a film canister. And he walks, quote, into the light. And then he lifts up his head and takes off his hat, and it's Leonard Nimoy. Oh, my God. He's all, hello, Star Trek fans. You know, and, and they're like, oh, it's Leonard Nimoy. And he gets a big standing ovation. I kind of get chills thinking about this, actually. And he says, uh, you know, the new Star Trek movie is really great. You know, do you, do you think 10 minutes of it is just, you know, enough? And people said, no. And he said, who wants to see more? And everybody cheers. And he said, who wants to see the whole thing. And then I guess the place just went berserk. And then they showed it. And uh, the early reviews were all really good. So anyway, so it was a, it's a pretty cool moment. One of those great wish you were there kind of uh, kind of events. There is your Geek Watch for Tuesday. By Grabthar's Hammer, by the Sons of Warvan, I shall avenge you. Next. I wish I had a Grabthar's Hammer. Oh, we should make one and sell it. Oh, yeah, what a whole people if you ask. <laughs> if you ask nicely. Yeah. Pardon me. Uh, I'm looking for a Grabthar's Hammer. What a savings. Uh, here's your top five for Tuesday. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. It's right next to the caulking gun and that uh, is sinkable mollies to help you uh, put screws into sheetrock. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen. Here is your top five with Tim Riley. The white man has many crimes for which he should be held accountable. Fish, 
sticks. I don't know, fish sticks. <laughs> they're, they're two separate lines. Fish I'm sorry, sticks. the line break happened. The white man fish should not be held accountable sticks. for sticks or for fish. Well, sticks the band, perhaps. Genocide. Oh. Let's try this again. We'll try this from the top, uh, just with your uh, your intro here. And just pronounce, it's one, I'm sorry about that. Fish, That's okay. Fish and sticks should not be two separate things. All right. The white man has many crimes for which he should be held accountable. Fish sticks, genocide, <laughs> smallpox, and these are the five whitest songs ever recorded. There ought to be a band that does really long jam sessions of Dennis DeYoung songs, and they'd be called Fish with a PH, Sticks for the next. Hey, we're Fish Sticks. S T Y K S. Yes. <laughs> anyway, these. This, this never happens. To keep on trucking. These are the. Uh, Let's keep moving forward, shall we? Always move forward momentum. These are the five whitest songs ever recorded. Audible mention goes to LFO with Summer Girls. Yeah. Oh, my God. Is this the Abercrombie and Fitch It's song? all coming back to you now, isn't it, Sarah? Yeah. This is high school. That's what I'm talking about. Everybody. Do you remember? Do you remember? When we met that summer. There's nothing more soulless than this. I would say this is what '99. Is this from the '90s or from the from like the turn of the oh, century? Oh, it's from the '90s. This is like around the same time that '98 Degrees was really popular. This is because these guys were like the third Maybe I wasn't high school. Maybe I was white. No, I it was like the summer after I was in because I graduated in 98 because there was the Backstreet Boys in sync who were the first wave and then the second wave was like it was like 98 degrees probably and then the third wave was all just the one hit wonders that was all like O-Town and these guys wow okay yeah so what's the no I, no never mind it was the year after so it was when I was a freshman what year was it 99 yeah July 6th and the fact that he says Michael J. Fox was Alex P. Keaton right there. That removes any sort of hint that this might contain actual soul. Warning, product contains no soul. That's so random, dude. Chinese food makes me sick. Yeah. That's a whole lot of, uh, I had 30 seconds to finish these lyrics because the studio time was already booked. These are the uh, five whitest songs ever recorded. Tim Riley? Number five, Peter, Paul, and Mary. I dig rock and roll music. <laughs> I hate this song. It would be an overstatement to say that I hate Peter, Paul, and Mary. Uh, I do hate... Well, I don't hate them collectively, and there's many songs of theirs I like. Blah, 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 Puff the Magic Dragon. Also that song, For Lovin' Me, which... I don't know if For Lovin' Me... Um, I don't know if... Uh, uh, if For Loving Me was written by Bob Dylan or if it was written by Peter, Paul, and Mary, but that's one of the greatest kiss-off songs ever. It's just scorn as an art form. I do hate Peter Yarrow, though, for writing this. And by the way, if not only is the song unbelievably bland and lame and white, it's also unforgivably snarky because the whole song is, of course, it's sarcastic. It's about how they don't dig rock and roll music. It's because folk was being supplanted by rock. Skinny mustache liberals. Exactly, exactly, Tim. I mean, it's a bunch of like, it's a bunch of wheat germ types. Yeah, what's this supposed to be? Because they're making fun of the fact that the Beatles were doing like backward tapes and like that Hendrix was doing weird feedback. Who are they to criticize? Listen to what, he's doing Donovan here. See, he's making fun of it. How edgy. Yeah, and so they're all like pissed off that they're being kicked to the side by rock and roll, and so they write this song about how they dig rock and roll, but not really. 
And in summation, this song is terrible. These are the five whitest songs ever recorded. Number four of the fifth dimension, Up, Up, and Away. Here's the fifth dimension. Wow. Everything about this song is Caucasian. Harmonies, that weird, uh, that weird like Spanish style guitar in your right ear there. And, they, and they're doing that thing. It's like a half Joy Division, half Jordan Airs thing where the vocalists are all in another room somewhere. They're kind of down the hall. And there's this big hole up front where the singing's supposed to be. Sound like a church choir. Yes. <laughs> These are the same guys that did uh, Let the Sunshine in, right? Yes, it worked oh, Aquarius? Thing. Yeah. But who sang. Um, the, let the sun shine in. Yeah, that's, okay. yeah, that's these Pebbles guys. Pebbles and Bam Bam. It was not Pebbles. Well, they did at, at one point. Not the original artist. <laughs> Fifteen original hits by Pebbles and Bam Bam. These are the... F- I can't get over how white this is. It's kind of freaking me out, actually. <laughs> these are the five whitest songs ever recorded. Number three, Olivia Newton-John. Have you never been mellow? Uh, not on this list. You Light Up My Life by uh, Debbie Boone. Almost. I love that song. That song was played constantly for like 15 years after it was recorded. My wife well, loves that song. Somebody finally stopped it. Here's Olivia. There was a time <laughs> I play these so many times. Tom Parker, ladies and gentlemen. The great thing about it, that was effortless. You didn't even have to work at that, that <laughs> you know, post. how many times I played that recurrent? Well, never mind. Through the 80s. You're right about uh, You Let In My Life, though. It's like it was just stuck on a loop collectively at every radio station, and then finally somebody stepped in and they did a Control-Alt-Delete, and they managed to make it go away. It's like, it was like a browser window that wouldn't close. Do you know the song, Sarah? No. But it makes me uncomfortable. Really? She's too high-pitched. I don't You know who this reminds me of? This reminds me of Susan Sarandon singing in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Totally. Wow, they sound a lot alike. Like a touch Like that there's a light. Me. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. She was one of those artists who could do no wrong for the longest time. And, you know, uh, well, I think this was after Greece, right? I think so, yeah. Was it before yeah. Xanadu? Everything was before Xanadu. There is no after <laughs> Xanadu. After Xanadu, there's just that uh, perfect or perfect 10. Whatever the hell that movie issued with John Travolta, where they both worked at Rolling Stone magazine. God. These are the five whitest songs ever recorded. Number two, Hermits, Hermits. Mrs. Brown, you've got a lovely daughter. I love this song. It was either this or I'm Into Something Good, but that one just swings too much. He does. He has a weird everything. Have you seen him recently? Yes. Yeah. He's a little Botox, but not too much. You know, there's a guy, like the third bass player for this band that now tours Europe as Hermits, Hermits. Hermits, Hermit? Yeah. This is a manufactured band. It is. They're kind of like the monkeys. They were manufactured by which producer, Tim Riley? What's his name? No, I can't think of his name. I know who you're talking about. Mickey Most. Guy who also created the animals. What is this instrument in the background? That's not a guitar, is it? Sounds like a piccolo. Piccolo. I thought a piccolo was we like both a... went for piccolo. But it's not, but it, it's it sounds a like a piccolo. Wait a minute. What is a piccolo? I thought it was like a flute. 
I don't know, but I think you're correct. Are we're you making wrong. it up? You don't know what a piccolo is. No, no, we're, we're, both, we're, we're both wrong. <laughs> well, no, because we have this rule on the show that if two people in the room agree on something, it is a fact. We, so it is we, a piccolo. We, we agree on the wrongness of it. So you guys both agree that it's a piccolo, so therefore it is. Yeah, okay. Yes. That being said, I don't know what a piccolo looks like. It's kind of like a flute. Yes, I agree. <laughs> but it's not the instrument being played here, yet we agree. Wow. This is what happens when people work Maybe it's a ukulele. This is what happens when you're is exposed it a to, uh, to too much whiteness. It starts to, uh, it starts to sap your ability to think. Suddenly I just want to go buy khakis. And we're both sitting here. Yes, yes, that's brilliant. No, 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 I'd, I'd love some more chai. That'd be great. Thank you. I'm dating this girl. She's really great. You know, she's, she's not religious, but she's very spiritual. Right. These are the, uh, I'm, just, I'm just being sucked into the whiteness here. These are the five whitest songs ever recorded, and I have to give uh, credit to Chris Paddock for coming up with number one. Well, Chris Paddock is the whitest person I've ever met, period. He, uh, he is a white man. I will. That is true, Tim. I will say that uh, many, many of these songs were on uh, both our MP3 players, but number one, only found on his. Is Tim it Bread? Leslie Gore, Sunshine, Lollipops, and Rainbows. There's no doubt about it. On the no, you just plays all the hits. Yeah. I almost put the Norm Wooster singers on here. The loving you lots and lots guys. Are you sad that bread isn't on the list? I, I was expecting a little baby. I'ma want you. Well, we can always revisit this list. You, are, I mean, there's, I got like 50 things that didn't make the cut. No, I'm already. I can already think of four songs off the top of my head that I'm. No ABBA, no country, nope, I no got metal, it. Mm-hmm. no novelty. You want to do your own? Sarah yeah. Dillon's five whitest songs ever recorded. Sure. Tim, you want to do your own? Yeah. All right. They can be from any era, or we... they can be from any era. Well, this is. I've got everything from LFO to you know to uh, Peter Paul and Mary to this. This is as you said, pre-Beatles. Leslie Gore, uh, as depicted sort of uh, in a Romana Clay style uh, in Grace of My Heart, uh, where, uh, um, what's her name, Bridget Fonda plays a character very clearly supposed to be Leslie Gore of uh, It's My Party fame. All right, tomorrow, Sarah Dillon's five whitest songs ever recorded. Hey, it's Rock 101. Indeed, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Rock 101 KUFO, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up at 9, it smells like the 90s with Buzz. Don't forget to join us tomorrow when our special guests will be uh, Harold Perrineau, formerly of law. Are you going to now see? I know you kind of went back and forth uh, about this because you were having difficulty separating the character uh, from the, uh, no, from the I'm actor. Ca- I'm excited. I'm going to think of many questions to ask him, including but not limited to if people come up on the street and yell Walt at him. Can we just say that your first reaction, though, when I said, hey, we have Harold Perrineau, we could talk to him, and you kind of went... And it was you. You kind of this sort of like urge to kill. He is the most loathed character on Lost. Is that true? Yes. I mean, I at least for me personally, and I think a lot of other people. May I ask you this? He was. Uh, He had the biggest betrayal on Lost. He he got uh, two of the main characters killed because of his selfishness. In the uh, in the overall, you would say that he was more likable than the uh, character played by Michelle Rodriguez. That was one of the ones that he excellent. So you might like him, actually, because right. it was because well, he, of him uh, she actually died. Oh, good for you. I'm going to thank him uh, tomorrow for that. Okay. There you go. Excellent. At the news desk, it's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Part of the Cuckoo's Nest Hospital is being torn down in Salem. This is from the 1975 film, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Part of the 125-year-old building will be preserved. They can have a little museum there. 
Uh, and it will be a hydrotherapy device, a prop that resembled a large bathroom sink with various faucets and spigots. Wait, are they auctioning that? Did you say no? They're... It's going to be part of a little museum they're going to have there. Oh, okay. I was going to say because that's the thing that he throws through the uh, that uh-huh. uh, you know that yeah the chief throws through the uh, window at the end. You're going to be able to visit. Well, uh, let's take a look at the future because that's where we're spending most of our time. Governor Kulingowski says electric cars are part of Oregon's future economy. The first all-electric vehicles in Oregon will be here in 2010. Wait, well, that's sorry. next year. Hold on a second. Is this is this actual uh, is this actual future news that we're doing here? It is news of hold, the future. Hold on a second. Where did my uh... News from the future. The governor test drove a Nissan all-electric car yesterday morning, the same vehicle he drove during his November trade visit to Asia. He said Oregon's future belongs to the electric car. They're uh, putting in all-electric stuff all over the states. You can plug them in, so go out and buy an electric car and, and recharge it. All I would buy an electric car. I think that that makes a lot. I mean, I mean, not that I really care about the environment or anything, but it just seems like that would be cheaper and easier, right? Seems more practical. You, you won't get electrocuted with all this rain and such? Uh, well, I wouldn't think so. Okay. Can I you get electric, electrocuted in an electric, from an electric car? car? You can get electrocuted from a car now. I mean, I would imagine. Why don't you go, uh, I mean, if you go, like, grab a battery post Therefore, or something. Isn't... I will not be an all-year doctor then. You know, like, if I'll you have to. somebody else gets electrocuted. Like, when you have to use jumper cables. <gasps> I mean, I think if you were to hook jumper cables to a battery and then to, like, your head, I think that would electrocute you. Or at least it would feel unpleasant. Uh, I can't think about that stuff too much. Like, I can't think about the fact that your body has electricity in it. Uh-huh. Your body runs on electricity. Because then you start thinking about why don't you electrocute yourself. Because you're all full of water, too. And that just doesn't make any because sense. Because I have so much to live for. No, not... Okay, well, that too. Here's Tim Riley. Anyway, uh, Joe Perry says, don't blame him for the fact that Aerosmith doesn't have a new album out. Blame it on Steven Tyler. Steven's kind of sick, so he wasn't able to record for the next few weeks, so uh, we put it on hold. What's new with the lady whose uh, face was uh, severely uh, bitten by the chimp? Well, her family members say 55-year-old Chara Nash uh, began speaking a few weeks ago at the Cleveland Clinic. What was her name? Charla. Charla. Nash. Sounds more like she was a little Charla. Nosh. <laughs> oh, Rick Emerson. Uh, she began calling her nurse by... Uh, Nosh! Come on! Uh, whatever. All right. The um, the monkey victim spoke to the nurse. The nurse has always talked to my sister as uh, if she were awake. And I guess uh, it had paid off. Lisa, you know, got her to say her name. And it was uh, it was very emotional. I didn't think she had lips or anything left. Didn't they put them back on? No, they so you're making that up. You're, you see, you, you. So she didn't have any like. Tra- I thought she was going to get like a transplant thing. No, but see, that's a, they may have already given her some tests. No, lips. see, that's more of that news of the future thing where you're just assuming she got a face transplant. I don't know that that's true. We found out that it was at the same place where they do face transplants, but I don't necessarily think there was any sort of indication that she was going to receive one. All right. Well, she's deserving of it. I well, I would, I would say. I mean, really, I mean, if you look, if you're losing your whole face and like two of your hands and part of your leg and an ear or something, I mean, if that doesn't get you a face transplant, really, I mean, what, you know, this isn't like Mickey Mantle asking for a liver. I mean, it seems like she, uh, she probably has that coming. All right. We have a double grizzly penis one. Yeah, we probably should, we probably should put well, that off. Uh, it's just, tomorrow, I want, that will a teaser. It, we're going to have to tease it, unfortunately. I hate to do that, but it's just, I know that we have, uh, <laughs> not just oh, it's one, a double Tim. one, it's too? double. I mean, not like one guy, two penises. It's two, you know, each guy had, had at least, mm-hmm. more of a past tense kind of a thing. Uh, never mind. It's the Rick Emerson Show. We return to wrap things up next. Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. He had two great delusions. One, that he was funny, and two, that he was beloved. On Rock 101 KUFO.
We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Join us tomorrow when our guest will include Harold Perrineau, formerly of Lost, and the HBO prison drama Oz. Tim Riley, what were today's biggest headlines? Dragon horseplay gets out of hand. A Lake Oswego man gets 10 years for the drowning of one of his neighbors in a hot tub. And a local children's book author faces child pornography charges. Thuggish-looking extras are needed for leverage, the TV show filming here. You know, every time you've said that drunken horseplay thing, I always think it's drunken whores play. And <laughs> That's then what I think, too. And then my brain figures that it's not, and then I'm always a little sad. This is Lake Oswego. Don't forget, you can listen to this show. They uh, have whores in Lake Oswego. Oh, no. Lake oh, Oswego is no. nothing but whores. Can't they be high-class hookers? No, no, yeah, they're, so. uh, yeah, they're they're not whores. They're, uh, they're rentable ladies. Oh, yeah, that's only in Lake Oswego. They're whores everywhere else. We'll end on that note. Uh, don't forget, you can hear the show anytime, day or night, at KUFO.com. KUFO.com. You can also uh, check out more about us personally at SarahXDillon.com, RileyLive.com, or RickEmerson.com. And yes, because I'm lame, my Xbox name is Rick Emerson. How did you come up with that? Uh, it took me all night. And actually, it did. My wife had to solve it for me. The Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for Rock 101 KUFO. On the phones, Greg Nibbler in the newsroom. News director Tim Riley. The gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. The webmistress is Bridget from upstairs. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan. Don't F with me under any circumstances. Reynolds and the executive producer is one Christopher J. Paddock. Smells like the 90s. Next with Buzz. Gordon Fatboy this afternoon from 3 till 7. This is Rick Emerson saying it is April 7th, 2009. And that is the frequency. Kenneth, see you all tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye.